Hi to you. I'm the Tacos. This is the daily, not the daily taco. This is Dirtbag History. I'm your host. We have a special guest today. His name is Vasilis Kronopoulos, Billy Timekeeper. Um, great dude. Good egg. He's in the Good Egg Club. Um, he's a former Greek Special Forces soldier. He's a big history buff. And basically, we went about a long way of talking about. Well, we can go probably longer than that, but the amount that we did was uh, pretty hefty, I would say, about Greek history from about 15th, 16th century all the way up to today. We do go off on some diatribes here and there, obviously, you know what I mean, daddy gets red hot on occasion, starts talking about, you know, U.S. politics and the shit show that that is, so enjoy, Billy's a good egg, we're going to have him back, and yeah, check out a bunch of stuff, check out the team house. At the Team House YouTube channel. If you like this, or you like me, or you just feel bad for me, like and subscribe. If you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcast, rate and review it. Give it five stars. Don't be scared. And uh, yeah, baby, we got shit cooking. I know I took an awful bit. Was having a little bit of a depressive state. I may or may not have eaten an entire fucking devil's... Uh, De- like Entenmann's Devil's Food Cake, you know, like the the white frosting and the black cake. It's fucking delicious. I may have eaten it in one day, an entire fucking cake. It's not a big deal. It's about 2,480 calories total. Yeah. The diet is, I'm going to say, I'm not going 100%, but I'm also not not going 100%. So I'm probably around 70%, I would say, roundabout. You know what I mean? I'm not a math guy. I'm not a nutritionist, so... We still there, baby. I still look sexy as fuck in these clear glasses. Ain't a big deal. They transition lenses. Ain't a big deal. It's fine. You know what I mean? You keep going. Act like you've been there before. Team House is going great. Check out Manscaped.com. Uh, promo code TEAM20 for 20% off and free delivery. Shave your ball sack because it's summertime. It's super hot out. Your balls get stinky. Shave that shit. They have a ball deodorant. They got a bunch of shit you get in that package. So they got a nose and ear trimmer. It's the shit. Manscaped.com. Team 20 is the promo code. Team 20 altogether. No spaces. Team T-E-A-M 20. Manscaped.com. I love you. But you need to go home now. But first, listen to this podcast. This one's a, this one's a trek. This one's a marathon. So I understand if you got to come back to it or if you don't listen to it even a little bit. I will come back. I'm going to come back to the shorter ones too. Even though like the longer ones have the most views by far and away, which is hilarious. Um, I got a cool thing coming. I just did it today. It's Saturday today, July 24th that I'm recording this uh, intro. A cool thing I did with Jack Murphy, Team House. We did like a basically like a sit down interview about Jack and stuff like that. I was the interviewer, of course, because I'm a fucking journalist. Not a big deal. Again, um, I think it went pretty well. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's gonna be more, it's gonna be more chopped up and edited because usually the team house is live streams at eight o'clock with their guest. This time it's a little bit different. It's me interviewing the the team house, the guys of the team house and stuff. Uh, and we're gonna put that on the channel, which is super interesting and fun. I'm gonna, I'm gonna edit it a little bit more. Throwing pictures and maps and stuff like that. Make it a, a little bit more produced rather than like the run and gun live stuff that we do, which is going great, to be honest. Not a big deal. I'm a great producer. It is what it is. I find ways to make it happen, and that's just how it goes. You know? That's just how it goes. Anyway, got a new camera. I love this camera. It's fucking glorious. It's beautiful compared to the last one. It's like night and day. 
I mean, it doesn't even matter. Most people don't even watch this on YouTube. What I'm going to use this camera for is shorter snippets and stuff like that. Because I know YouTube is more conducive to shorter videos. So, look out for those. I'm going to spam you guys. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, email, bro, the text and the DMs about, like, bro, I'm really worried about you. Don't be worried about me. I'm all right. Daddy's good. You know what I'm saying? We all get in funks, bro. It's how you get out of the funk is what defines you. That's my little fucking fortune cookie wisdom of the day. We all get into funks. Some worse than others. But what is it? How do you get out of it? How do you pull yourself out of it? Whether you use, you have people to help you, support, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's okay to ask for help, baby, baby. You know what I'm saying? Don't be scared to ask for help. That's it. I'm doing good. I'm hot as fuck. Both figuratively and literally. I am hot as fuck. Just FYI. And that's it. I hope you enjoy my guy Billy. Vasily Chronopoulos. Good dude. SF. Former SF for the Greek uh, army. Uh, karate master. And uh, just all around excellent human person. So... Yeah, check it out. Like, subscribe. Do all that shit. God bless you. God bless America. God bless the United States of everything. And uh, the election was a fraud. Thanks, guys. Bye. Uh, do you hear me? Yeah, Vasily. What's up, man? Hello, Dimi. How are you? Good, man. Good. I mean, sorry. Uh, not Dimi. You prefer uh, D, right? Yeah, but you can call me Dimi. It's okay. You can call me Dimitri, whatever. I don't care. Uh, how are you doing? Good, uh, good. Pleasure to first time meet, talking with you in yeah, you uh, video. Too. Where you are? Uh, where you from in Greece? Uh, in Athens, uh, in okay. a suburb of Athens uh, called Petrupoli, uh, okay. West West Attica. Nice. Okay. And now you living in the UK? Yeah, I live in Cambridge. That's cool. How'd you make it? How'd you get your make your way to UK? Well, uh, legally, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the uh, UK was still in the EU. So yeah. under that agreement, you could move freely, essentially because the EU, the plan was to be like the states. You can move freely right. among, among the countries and work and all that. Yeah, my cousin so, did the same thing. He went, he's from, he was born here or he's born in Greece. They came here. He went to the army and he went to the army so he could be able to like work and move freely throughout the EU. Yeah, because if you don't, if you haven't done your uh, national service in, I think in Greece, right? Uh, if you go to renew a passport or all that, you you get into you know hiccups. Yeah, that's what I think because he's living. He lives in Greece now. They live in Athens. Where your family come from in uh, in Greece? Uh, mostly Sparty, like Peloponnesos over there. Ah, where where my family comes from, uh, Pyrgos. So okay, yeah, we're, we're neighbors. <laughs> yeah, like we're basically. Almost all my uncle, my other uncle who married into our families from uh, Lesbos. But yeah, most of us are all fucking Sparty, man. Like, or right what's around your, Sparty. What's your last name? My last name's Kondakos. Kondakos, that's money, actually. That's not even uh, Sparty. That's the area called yeah. money. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, that's we. Yeah, that's what we. I've heard of money a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're unruly people, difficult to govern, and I all that jazz. Agree. Yeah, we're nice. <laughs> I completely and like my mom's last name. My mom's maiden name was Rogakos. Yeah, all that. Uh, yeah, it's in that area. I know what that you whole mean. Uh, shit. Yeah. And if you, I don't know if you know. Interesting enough, 
the other side of Peloponnesus, from where are you from, Kalamata, it has a lot of Cretan people on down low because essentially the Turks uh, chase Cretans away and they end up in Peloponnesus. So you're going to find whole villages with the traditional like Cretan last name, like, like uh, IS. Akis, yeah, uh, names ending in Akis. There is whole villages and they have photos from the 1890s with traditional like Cretan dress That's instead of. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, a lot of my, some of my good, my best friends are Cretans. And they assume the cultural thing in money comes also from that, from, you know, people moving up. And that's yeah. why they so have the same, the they have militancy, if you like. They have the same yeah, style. That's a, and, yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Cretans are lunatics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Magnat is the same. It's a, it's a known thing. Yeah. I'm not uh, surprised. For, and as you know, from, from where I come from, it's like they call it the, the sacred grounds because supposedly it's the worst people in Greece come from Pyrgos. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, how, what a format do you want to follow? Like a discussion and Bro, also... Yeah, we could just go, we could be, you know, free flow a little bit, like improv. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions, right? Because... Yeah, I'm Greek, but I was born in America. Like, I sound like I'm from fucking, you know, I'm Brooklyn and shit. I sound like what a trash can sounds like. Yeah. Um, uh, what was the name of that singer? Feta Kepsomi. What's his name? Uh, that he was- <laughs> I know, I yeah, the kid from here. He's from around New York, I think. Uh, yeah, he's from Astoria, isn't he? Yeah, I don't know his name. I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. It was a good song. It was funny. Yeah, it was it was a big hit in Greece, funnily enough, because, you know, they, they enjoyed it. Anyway. Yeah, I think he was like touring in Greece and stuff. For one year, I think you, yeah, he did. So you don't speak any Greek? No, I speak Greek. I went to I went to Greek school and stuff till eighth grade. Uh, I mean, my Greek's not perfect. Plus, I haven't been to Greece in like ten years either. So, like, I don't really spend a lot of time talking it. But yeah, I could. I have conversational. Greek. Well, my English is not perfect, so don't. <laughs> English is great. By the way, sometimes I know I have noticed on myself when I'm trying to make long sentence, sentences and all that, my my accent breaks down. I don't do it on purpose. I, you know, I just also I'm speaking very fast, as you can yeah, see. No, listen, so, I do the same thing when I try and go to talk to like I try to talk to like normal people and I'm talking like slowly and I'm trying to not get have my accent and have it speak normally. Once I start talking faster, it's I, my accent is I sound like a fucking I, I'm from the 1940s. Do you know, uh, you're going to love that. Do you know Bob Hope? Of course, yeah, you know. Yeah. Okay. So in the 1960s, the guy that used to run MGM or Fox was a Greek guy, uh, Spiros Skouras. Okay. So he was a, so his Greek accent was so pronounced that uh, Bob Hope was making the joke that Spiros sounds like he comes from the boat next week. Oh, that's funny. Because, and yeah. supposedly he was like 30 years in the United States, but that, by that time he was born in Greece, but he immigrated to the U.S. and work his way up the ladder and he's responsible for films i think like cleopatra actually cleopatra is the film that got him out because the the board was disliked that the movie bombed yeah but he's responsible i think from some very classics like well, in listen, war films and all then, that yeah he was a big uh you know he was a big wig back then because there's only like f- you know three four studios that no, yeah it, if you were the mgm head in the 60s you were a yeah. big dog as you said yeah, he probably started James Bond or something, too, because I think MGM did James Bond. Yeah, he was the president until Cleopatra, which I think it was 1966, 1967, yeah. something like that. What's it, like, I was thinking of like accents and stuff. My uncle, who's from Lesbos, he was born in Greece, came here. He's got an accent still. 
What? Dude, the Greek the Greek accent never never goes away. Yeah. If you if you were born in Greece and you try to move away, and it's everybody says is one of the most difficult. I don't know difficult accents. It's difficult to get rid of it. Yeah, it's, it's very, very pron- distinctive too. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear people on my work and uh, like uh, they speak, and I answer to them, Calimera. How you understand that? Well, well, I can I can hear your accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only people that come very close it's uh, Spaniards from Madrid, Madrid specifically. They they look they, they sound exactly the same. Yeah, my uncle Herc, he's got a full on accent and he's been in America probably like 30 years now. More, no, more. He came here when he was 18. He's like almost 60, so more than that. 40 years. Intermittently, yeah, they went and stayed back in Greece for like a couple of years here and there. But like for the most part, it's been America. And my dad came here when he was nine. So maybe he was younger because he's got a little bit of an accent, but he can kind of shed it a little bit. But he can get into it. It's weird how he does it. Like sometimes th- he speaks with that one and then sometimes it comes in. I think is the difference in language because I don't know. Uh, so my wife, is uh, she was born in Moldova. Okay. She speaks like four languages. She doesn't have accent in any of it. Interesting. Uh, so her English is English. Her Greek as are Greek. Actually, he he's writing and speaking better Greek than ninety percent of the Greeks, <laughs> which is yeah, a, so. Uh, so I guess it's like how young you are and how you yeah. know, like when you when you can actually, uh, as you said, you don't sound like you have a Greek accent. You don't. No, because I you, sound like I'm from fucking Brooklyn, South Brooklyn. That's my accent. Like, so that's how you, that's how you met Jack? Because I know he's a neighbor there. He's in Brooklyn. Yeah, well, I knew a Jack and I knew about uh, Sofret, Sofrep when they had it, when they did it. Because um, I watched one of his videos when he had a whole bunch of Rangers together and they were talking about, this is like early on, like maybe the team house, the team house. You're talking about the team house meeting. Uh, so another team house, uh, the that. series of videos uh, yeah. with Isaiah Brockhart, but uh, the team table, it was something. Yeah, with they team. were just hanging out, having beers at like, it looked like they were at a, you know, kind of like at a lounge hanging out, drinking yeah. beers or whatever. It was team something. If I remember correctly, maybe, maybe team room or something. Who knows? Yeah. So he did that. I, I followed him on Twitter and I've been following him on Twitter since like forever. I started watching the team house like once almost when they started it, maybe like maybe like a month after they started it. And then um, I got into podcast before that. I was in restaurants. I got out of restaurants. Thank fucking God. It's the worst business in the world. Greeks and restaurants. That's yeah, a stereotype. over there. It. Yeah, it's a stereotype. <laughs> and I'm part of that stereotype. But honestly, bro, it's like <laughs> the worst fucking business in the world. I think I can tell you what it is. Uh, is uh, unfortunately our people mm-hmm. uh, being a poorer country, you don't have many educated people living. That changes now, obviously. You have sure. a lot of people. Th- so if you were an immigrant in the 50s, yeah. what you could offer other people Without the food of your country? You know, it's, it's kind of like that. It's very simple. Like if you're a Greek and you're first generation or like you came here from Greece, it's restaurants, it's construction. And what eventually happened is real estate so like people would buy real estate back in the day in the 50s 60s 70s and 80s when it was relatively cheap yeah and, and then now, they did that now like especially in new york and chicago too i'm sure um the real estate's fucking 20 times the price now and now they're rich and they're everyone thinks they're smart also the big thing about restaurants especially in america back in the day 20 30 years ago was you can have a diner or a, co- a small coffee shop make $5,000 in a day selling $2 eggs. 
and you don't pay any fucking tax because it's all cash. So they they basically <laughs> tax evaded and shit, and that's how they became so rich. Like that's what? why restaurants were so like you know. Uh, this, don't don't make fun of the ways of our people. No, listen, I don't give a shit. I, 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 I wish my dad opened up a restaurant back in the day, fucking bought a few buildings. He would have been, he would have been loaded right now. Forget it. This is the way of our people. We don't trust the state. It's, it's the default setting. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And listen, my uncle, he's in construction and like he's done very well in construction. So it's like one or the other. It's construction or it's fucking restaurants for, for Greeks. I, had a lot of immigrants, I, had... I feel like I feel like anybody coming here is that's what they do. That's what. I feel like it just yeah. makes sense. It's it's the as I said, if you don't have much other skills, if you're not educated, the thing the easy thing to do is introduce people in the area you go to the culture of your like of uh so over here they has a sit on of Indian restaurant, Pakistani restaurant, yeah, yeah. Chinese restaurants, because people it's easier to start doing that, you know? Yeah, well in the UK the Indian food is really good. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing because it's it's you know it's a hundred percent original, you know. Yeah, I mean, listen, bro. My family still has a Greek restaurant down on Smith Street in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. Like we started that, sh- we start opened it in two thousand and thirteen, and we still have it. So, and the food's legit. The food's really good, and it pe- the, the like the neighborhood's taken to it too. So it's doing well. So I, cool. I mean, nice it makes sense. The only problem is now you have to pay your fucking taxes because everybody uses credit cards. <laughs> That's the problem. So it's not the same profit Bro, margin. Not even close. No way, man. Listen, back in the eighties, it's nineties even. You you were making you were making money like you were selling heroin on the corner, <laughs> Things like that. You know what I mean? Like it was. You- I'm not even joking. Like that's how it was. Now you said about taxes. I was having a you know a, a job in Twitter with some American guy, you know, a, a patriot type, oh, and God, he yeah. got and because he knows some, he understands some Greek. I'm like, he says something about taxes. Just pay your taxes. I'm like, you're yeah. American, and you had a whole revolution about the thing. Don't get. And he said, okay, you're right. I give you that. He's like, what's the joke here? Well, <laughs> you, if he's like a patriot type, he doesn't want to pay fucking taxes. Meanwhile, exactly. Most of them are libertarians. Like even benefit from the tax breaks that rich people get. You know, most likely he's not rich enough because nobody's rich enough really to get Jeff Bezos to be fucking rich enough to benefit (laughs) from the tax breaks. You know. Uh, Now you know you say about uh, Greeks in the real estate. So my wife's okay. So my wife, uh, he has a stepfather, Mm -hmm. and his mother has a brother. Yeah, unfortunately, he died recently. So that guy was, uh, I don't remember what he did in Greece. He was educated and he moved away. He reached to a point that he was like the general director of some huge bank in the United States. Wow, okay, yeah. He has, he has photos with, a Trump from, from, with Trump from the 80s. Yeah, yeah. And I saw the photo, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because, but that's it. If you were educated, you could end up something. If you, you couldn't, yeah, unfortunately, sometimes you... I mean, listen, the problem now is, like, for education, especially in America, I mean, I don't know how EU does it or Europe. I mean, they definitely do it better than America because America's made education like a commodity. Or, I mean, debt anyway, like student debt. The problem with the American education is, is not just a commodity, is that because the universities want money, yeah. in my opinion, they try to sell you useless stuff, like all that uh, critical race theory we see, all that does... Uh, it's yeah. how can I put it? If you work, if you, let's say you have a degree on that and it's fine and done is if that one is what you want to to study. The problem is if you want to make money out of it, you have You're to not. be you, you have to be, be yeah. 
you have to be in academia. There is no other way to do it. Right. So yeah. essentially, like an art history degree. What the fuck yeah. are you going to do with an art history degree exactly. besides teach art history? Yeah. So essentially, it's a it's a it's a ticket to unemployment. It yeah. it doesn't it doesn't promote so and that I found it despicable on the behalf of the universities. Right. Because essentially, what they say is like. Okay, the engineers are a finite amount because not, not everybody can be an engineer, but we can sell, you know, uh, papers to fucking idiots. Essentially, that's what it is, right? Yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, listen, and what's happened was the government, the federal government guaranteed the loans. So what happens now is like kids who have $200,000 in student loans, even if they come out make it with a business degree, right? They're probably not, they're not coming out unless they're top 10 or five in their class making any kind of real money. So like they're behind the eight ball with, with debts like that. Exactly. So they can't even declare bankruptcy on it. Like yeah, medical so, bills here, you could declare bankruptcy on it. If you fuck up a business, you could declare bankruptcy. But Two not on the student debt. Student debt and taxes, you cannot declare bankruptcy on. They're going to get I, their fucking money. I was very interested in that subject and I was watching an episode. I don't know if you know that it's a YouTube series. His name was Adam Conover. Adam ruined everything. Uh and he has done an episode about um, student loans. And then, yeah. as you said, the big party started when the government started to guarantee those loans. Right. And, and then they horrible. started raising the prices like yeah. astronomically. Luckily, like in some states and cities, specifically like New York, you can go to a city university and it's relatively affordable, especially compared to like private universities out of state. But again, like it's still like five, six grand a year. It's not nothing, but it's definitely not 60,000 a year. Yeah, I mean, and uh, uh, for example, take uh, what Jack did. Jack went to Columbia to hear, got a Paul Science degree. Yeah, but he he wanted because he wanted to be a better journalist. So he had other plans completely. You have some kids sure. going for and he was going for too with the GI, even though like he, I think he told me he still paid like around twenty grand total. Yeah, not yeah, because it would have been like hundred and fifty. hundred and fifty total. Yeah, we, but Jack had another idea on his mind. If you go for a Paul Science degree just to get a uh, job on Paul Science, good fucking luck. I mean, nah, there is not yeah. enough think tanks to get you. No shot. Yeah, you need to, and you, especially with a think tank or something like that, or jump on a campaign or whatever the fuck. I don't even know. Yeah, like besides if, that, you need to know people. Like you if can't. if you're Malia Obama, yeah, by all means, right. go go <laughs> do that. Yeah. No, you're hundred percent right. Or if your dad fucking knows people that have think tanks or lobbyist firms or whatever the fuck, yeah, then then you're golden. You know what I mean? You could do whatever. You could you could get your bullshit poli science degree and go and do it. Yeah, Jack had the journalism bug and stuff like that, which is good. I, like, I mean, he's good at that stuff. I, yeah, I, the reason from why my, from my understanding, Jack, he wanted yeah. to do that degree because he will give you a better understanding of certain stuff. Also, it's a, it's a, okay, if you have it on your resume, it's a serious degree from Columbia. Right. Yeah. So I, I think his way was, I want to learn this stuff. I'm going to apply it to my other job, which I already have. And he wasn't expecting, which is the right thing to do, because as I said, a pole science degree, you have to have certain angles and people in the know and all that. that out. Yeah. I mean, in general life, bro, like, let's be honest, like over here in New York, bro, if you don't know somebody, like, I don't know how you go and get a marketing degree and then have a hundred K, let's say in loans. And then you get out and you're making 35,000 a year in New York. What the fuck are you going to do? You're going to live with 15 people, 15 uh, roommates. And you're going to be behind the eight ball your whole fucking life. Because, like, what's the cap? Even a lawyer, an average lawyer, their cap over here in America, I guarantee, is probably like 120 to 150,000. Which, which for New York is peanuts or Los Angeles or, or yeah, because like it's a very big expensive. City, yeah, I mean, it's listen, it's good money, but you're going to spend it all. You're not going to save fucking money. It's You're going to be like middle class. 
Well, to be honest, that is my thing. I'm wondering why people. I'm uh, I'm in Cambridge. I'm 70 miles from London. Okay, yeah. which is perfect. Cambridge is still exp an expensive city. It's probably the second to third more expensive city in the UK after London. Mm. But I'm in the open air. I have a big fucking garden doing right. barbecue. Uh, I mean, and I have money to spare. If I was in London. Even with probably will be in a city apartment. I, I don't yeah. know the fascination. I don't understand the fascination with cities. And Me I have neither. said to my wife, they fucking suck. And I have said to my wife, if we could probably, if uh, she gets her driving license, we're gonna move away. You know, there is uh, the system here is pretty similar to to the US. You have a big city and smaller villages and stuff around yeah, like it. Suburbs, yeah. Yeah. So there is a place called Ely, which is brilliant, by the way. If you ever visit, I'm gonna take you there. Uh, it's like you know. It's 40 minutes from Cambridge, which means yeah. cheaper rent. Yeah, and a commute. It's a little bit more of a commute. A yeah. lot of people do that here. The only problem is, and like it's New York specifically, the five boroughs, like if you're commuting to the city, to Manhattan is the city is what we call it. And you live in Queens or Brooklyn or the Bronx, it's not fucking cheap. Like it's still super expensive. The that's ticket on itself. Yeah, that's why people go to Staten Island. That's a cheaper borough. Or they go to New Jersey or they go to Long Island or upstate or like Westchester and stuff just out of it. But even those areas are getting more and more expensive. Yeah, There's, it's fucking crazy, dude. It's so expensive here. It makes no fucking sense. The traffic is brutal. It's the worst. I hate I hate the city. Like I never I, if I can avoid Manhattan specifically, I'll never fucking go to Manhattan. I, as a tourist, I have never visited the United States. I would like to see Manhattan, of course, but as you yeah. said, and, and yeah. the same applies to London. London is brilliant. If you go for a day out, you Not have everything yeah, there. Bro, we stayed in Piccadilly Circus for four days. After four days, it's like, fuck off. I'm good. I'm never coming back here. Yeah, exactly. It's it's too much. If you go in a yeah. rush hour in the London tube, it's, Jesus Christ, we are like a sardine. I assume the same applies to New York. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's fuck. I, I mean, I haven't taken the underground to full disclosure in New York in like probably a decade just because of that fucking reason. It's a, if you're rush hour, you're you're fucking stuffed in there. Yeah, I mean, I have friends. They live in the zone three, as it's called in London. So London, obviously, you have the center and you have great. The whole thing is called Greater London. It's 10, 10 million people live there. Yeah. So imagine a co-centric circle of uh, zones. So the yeah. zone three is the further out. And they go like, ah, it's a one hour commute with a tube because the tube in London runs one side to the other. And literally it's one hour from the one end to the wow. other. Yeah, okay. yeah it's, it's so because it's flat. It's uh, how can I put it? They have uh, they expanded out, outwards. Mm -hmm. So one end right. to the other in most stations, we're talking about one hour if you go to one end of the line to the other. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, it's one hour commute with a train in a rush hour in Monday. Yeah, I'm like, nope, thank you. <laughs> I'll never do that. Yeah, it's brutal, man. Like where I live in Brooklyn in Bay Ridge, if you're taking the train to the city, let's say Midtown, it's going to take you. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I used to go to school at John Jay. So that's legit Midtown. But this is fucking 15 years ago. It took me like an hour and 30 minutes, hour, 20 minutes. I wanted to fucking kill myself. I wanted to ask you, I keep seeing that New York becomes increasingly more violent. And I know obviously in the 80s, the, the whole place was a shit show. That's why people left. Yeah. And in the 90s, they calmed it down. <clears throat> and then now again, you have problems you think is dangerous. I mean, I have seen I mean, some. I don't know if I think it's dangerous. Like it depends where you where you're at, right? Like, okay, it's a stupid question because obviously the same applies to London. I, right. I know places in London you you wouldn't want to go at night because you didn't want to get stabbed. 
because East London, for example, it's a fucking shit show. Yeah, like there's areas in every borough that are like that in New York. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just asking because I don't know if it, what happens is my when the news see a story that will sell, they will re- replay sure. it. Yeah. And and it might ten years ago you still have the same level of crime, but you wouldn't see it as much because at the time it wasn't relevant. You know what yeah. I'm saying? While now, if you have a a racist attack against an Asian woman sure, or whatever, yeah, yeah. you're going to see it more prominent because people know they're going to get clicks. They're going to get. Of course. I mean, listen, man, it's a, yeah. I mean, there's fucking it's dangerous in certain areas and certain areas. It really isn't. I mean, I don't know, man. And like you said, with the news, like kind of sensationalizing the, you know, if they see an Asian woman getting hit by like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a confirmation bias. You keep seeing the right. story and it's, ah, no it's getting worse. Anything about like the two black kids that fucking killed each other, really, or like the two, or whoever, a Spanish guy who, because we got fucking everybody in New York. Like, it doesn't that's what I'm saying. Matter. For example, I was watching a post yesterday recently about a kid that shot another kid in the face. Uh, that I, I assume wouldn't make the news 10 years ago because nobody cares about gun violence so much, but you know. It's a good question. I don't know. I think it depends, man. I think a lot of factors depend on it, right? Like the narrative in the news is one thing for sure. 10 years ago, I honestly think it depends on the fucking kind of news day it was. Cause like in Chicago, like the gun violence there is pretty, is pretty high, especially like in urban neighborhoods, like black neighborhoods, like their gang violence is big. Yeah. And you can see it. And I have seen it, how it can use it being used politically. People that they agree with uh, gun ownership, which yeah. I do which I do as a, as a concept, if you like. I have never been in a country that allow... I mean, in Greece, it's easy, as you know, it's pretty easy to get a shotgun, but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, well, I, America I that- is... I mean, listen, you want to get a gun, just don't be a fucking lunatic and pass a background check and stuff. And you get you it. You get I a know. gun. Like, it should be simple. It should be, like, easy. It shouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to go to... I know this Albanian guy, right? <clears throat> he fucking... He's worked... He lives here. He would go to gun shows across the country in America where you don't need anything to buy guns. He would buy rifles and he would buy scopes and then send them back to Serbia. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, no question asked. Like that, I'm not with. I don't get how that makes sense. And that helps our Second Amendment right. If I have a business or I have a home and I want to protect my home and I want to buy a shotgun or a handgun, I should be able to like when I go get my license to drive or a license to fly a plane, you go through certain training lessons. You you you're put down in some registry that says, you know, Dimitri's a fucking pilot or Dimitri's a handgun owner, and that's it. And maybe sometimes even every five years or so, you need to recertify. Maybe you got to yeah. go take lessons. Like there's a responsible way of doing it. I think. I know what you mean. With certain yes, but with certain. Yeah, that's a long discussion on its own. I'm just saying oh, yeah. that uh, what I was going with it. Uh, with gun ownership, I, uh, yeah, with Chicago, uh, you have seen people that they say, "Oh, it's due to guns are forbidden there, so the gangs are the only ones that they armed." And other people say, "Oh, no, it's because guns from other states flow uh, come into it because other states don't have the same strict laws." You know, it's a, it's a like everybody has a side of the argument why Chicago has such mm. gun violence. I think it's just a combination of everything. It's just like. Listen, bro, there's a, a serious poverty issue. That's why people turn to like selling drugs and doing all that shit and doing crime. It's just, yeah, I mean, listen, in America, there's 300 million guns. Like if you want a gun, whether it's legal or illegal, you can yeah, get, you're gonna get one. 
Yeah. So like the cat's out of the bag. It's what it is. Like there's no way to bring it back. It's impossible. I don't understand how I don't know how you can realistically get guns back from the that are out there, whether they're legal or illegal. It's just what it is. It's like it's our plague on our hands. Like we should have honestly had responsible gun laws, which I think, listen, bro, if I had a family, I want a gun, too, in my house. Like I don't want. I want to be able to protect them if if it happens to go to that point or even if like I live out in the fucking woods or something and I hunt or whatever the case is, I want a gun. But like you need if you listen, you need to pass certain. I think there, should, there can be responsible rules to it. Yeah, you agree. But as I said, with certain rules and the, yeah. I, I mean, because I'm very interested in the subject, as you can understand, yeah. given my past and all that. I know where you're coming from. And there is the arguments that if you are in a registry, if somebody, you know, obviously it's a, it, the problem in the United States, the problem comes from, from, from the fact why gun ownership was allowed and the people that they're very strict in the interpretation, how they see certain measures. For example, you have the gun, uh, the gun uh, fans crowd saying that if you have a registry, it will be easier to confiscate my guns if something happens. So, and that right. comes from, from the fact that the gun ownership in the United States became for one thing. It's not a it's not a privilege, it's a right to defend yourself from a tyrannical government. So it comes, so it's it's a convoluted because of right. the start of the whole thing. I'm, I mean, sure. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm taking a side, I'm just saying Yeah, it was like the Second Amendment was written before there were fucking street light lights, you know. Yeah. Number one. Number two, in the Second Amendment, it says a well-regulated militia. I mean, how do you regulate a militia? I mean, without like records and have something there to regulate them, right? That's a very good point. Yeah, I don't so, disagree with it. I'm I just mean, I'm... lawyers make millions of dollars interpreting the Constitution. Like that's that's their whole that, that's their job. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, and it's easy to do that, especially back in like you know they wrote it 250 years ago, right? Like you know they probably wouldn't even know, know the fucking problems that we have today, but that's why they made the, the constitution amendable, right? You could change it. Exactly. And so like, honestly, they did have that in mind, but what happens is it becomes a super hot button issue. Like there's no way they're ever going to take any of the guns away or majority of the guns away. Which I wanted to make you a question. Why if some things are so, you see a lot of issue in the United States as an outsider, and there is a very strong opinion about it. For example, yeah. when it's the, I, ha, I have seen that for years. What's your age? I think you're younger than me. Me, I'm 35. Oh, we're close. Okay, so Roe versus Wade. Yeah. It's a fucking a scarecrow for decades. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the conservatives are coming. They're going to take our reproductive rights. And I'm like, okay, I'm thinking as an outsider. Okay, mm -hmm. since... When they, there is a Democratic president like Bill Clinton, then Barack Obama, why they don't make it a fucking law and be done with it? You know, don't well, don't listen. <laughs> it, technically, it is a law. I mean, I don't know. Okay. because And the problem is to make it like constitutionally a law. No, no, I'm to, not talking. Obviously, uh, you have to in a constitution. And I know for an amendment, you have to have uh, three, two, yeah, sorry, two thirds of, a, of the House and the Senate and then 35 states. Good luck with that. Right. I'm exactly. just saying try to figure out where to go to dinner with your friends for exactly. friends. You're never going to fucking figure it out. I'm just saying why they don't make it a federal law, like a federal protective law. I mean, if I if, if what happens is like they kind of uh, defer to the just like to the judicial. Yeah. So in 73, when they upheld Roe versus Wade and made abortion legal legal 
they say, okay, there's the protection for abortion. It should be available safely and all that. So I think that's what, that's what they kind of like, if they don't have to make that stretch, because they know that if they pushed it to that level where let's say they signed an executive order or whatever the case was, where they made it such a national issue to like, even if they campaign to like, I don't know how else they would make it a law besides constitutionally or federally or whatever, like to pass it through Congress. I think that makes it an even bigger issue and more political. And that, that might hurt their political, you know, their change. But that's the like, funny thing. Every time there is a justice change, yeah. everybody is afraid of something. If you get a liberal justice, they're going to take away our guns. I know. <laughs> you get, it's fucking you get, crazy. And the fact get, is, like, even the crazier conservative or liberal judges, they kind of usually look at the merits of the case. Sure, there's probably some that are fucking lunatics one way or the other. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm a fucking lefty, like, but I'm pretty practical. In terms of like, you know, I think gun ownership should be allowed, but, you know, you should be fucking certain limits. Right yeah. yeah. Um, and the also the other problem with the United States is. Let's say a federal law is passed. Wait, wait, wait. You're a lefty for the United States. In Greece, you're probably a fascist. I have to tell you that. Yeah, I'm leftists, sure. I'm sure. Leftists, yeah. leftists in Greece, they don't. It's all about the state, man. It's all about the Benjamins. The right, state yeah. has, to, has to control everything. No, see, the only <laughs> thing I think about is this. Let's look. I look at things pragmatically, and I think there should be like absolute rights. Like in America, we don't have affordable. It's not affordable healthcare. It's not even close to affordable. It's yeah. run by insurance companies. They rule the roost. Corporations dominate us. Like okay. they are overlords. That's my so, thing, though. Yeah. Uh, the the prices you see is inflated because the insurance company will want to take you as a client and he's going to say, don't worry, Dimi, we're going to get you a 90% discount on an inflated right. price. And that, then, so that's my problem. How the fuck somebody can solve that? Because uh, it, the price is never going to get solved because it's so entrenched now in American, the American's way of life where there's no, I can't see it unless there's like a, like a fucking legit revolution where shit changes because they make money off of it. And now like big corporations, they make the rules. Like that's how it works. Like I know there's Democrats and Republicans. There are two corporate parties, Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. And one's pro-life. The other one's pro-choice. That's it. That's Cor it. Cor corporatism. Yeah. That's the they name all, of the and term. And they're all always going to fucking bend the knee to big corporations, big banks. I mean, in well, 2008 and nine, these banks fucking almost ruined the entire world economy because yeah, of and every, piece and, of shit. And nobody went to prison. I know that. Nobody went to prison. One fucking Malaka from fucking Credit Suisse went to prison. And that's, that's it. it. Yeah. All the other CEOs are still fucking CEOs, basically, of JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs and all that. I, I guess you have seen the big sword. I have seen the movie and I have read the book. The book is yeah. even better. It's more detailed. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure it's way better. Also, there's another movie, um, a documentary called Inside Job. Okay. Um, really ah, you also you also gonna love. Okay, the yeah. guy that wrote, uh, uh, what's the name of the movie again? Big Short. Mm -hmm. His first book was called Liar's Poker. Essentially, he he says the story about the, about the creation of the synthetic CBO, the 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 oh, product wow. that ended up blowing up in everybody's faces. Yeah, yeah. Somebody in the 80s thought it was a good idea because people will get mortgages more easily, which is true because in the 70s, if you wanted to get a loan, you have to have like, a, you know, they sure. were taking as a collateral your kidney. Th then money became easier to get. But that mm -hmm. good idea 
<laughs> exploded on everybody's face in 2008. Yeah, listen, and it's and, very interesting. And listen, Democrats, Republicans, doesn't matter, like the president or whoever the Congress was, they both chipped away at the fucking regulation to make them make investment banks leverage fucking X amount, like a like a hundred times their liquidity, which basically means like I could bet as much as I fucking want. Also, the whole the whole thing where it started was when investment banks and commercial banks were supposed to be separate. There was a law for that. And then they changed that law and they made them together where they can use fucking depositors money too. It's a fucking disaster. They're fucking just greedy pieces of shit. Insurance companies too. Remember Obama came into office. He had hope and change, all that bullshit that I bought too. I was like, I was balls deep. I was like, let's fucking, let's fix this stupid fucking country. He had a, a democratic fucking uh, Congress complete. That doesn't get more mandate to change as possible than that. They came up with a health care law. The health care law is so watered down. Like they had to get the okay from the insurance companies because it's basically subsidized healthcare, right? It's a tax. If you don't get healthcare, you have to pay 1500 bucks or 1200 bucks a year. And that money, that 1500, 1200 bucks goes to the insurance companies to subsidize other people's healthcare. I mean, it's such a malakia. The only way they fucking worked was when the insurance company said, yeah, no public option. And this is how it is. And this, and then we'll okay it. And all the Democrats will be like, yeah, sure. Let's go. Only when they're fucking corporate overlords say yes, yeah. it's fine. The problem, of course, the, the two, I think, as an outsider again, the two sure. main thongs, uh, uh, sorry, in the side of the American society is exactly that. It's healthcare. Yeah. You, ca- you can't break a leg and b- b- almost be ruined financially. It's insane. Right. It's, it's, it's like inside uh, a very good friend of mine. He's a family friend from Greece. He emigrated there. He just got his green card actually a week, a few weeks back. Uh, he's in uh, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, a uh, couple of years ago, he had a heart attack. He's yeah. like, f- and he, they took him on a helicopter ride because oh, the doctor said, dude, go. So anyway, <laughs> you don't want to know the bill. Just for the helicopter ride, I think it was for 20 minutes, for 10 minutes, I'm sorry. He lives in Greenville, South Carolina. Okay. Uh, they billed him $30,000, something insane. Yeah, and like, he, like that's what I said. Yeah, and Bill fucking goes, his name is Vasilis. We have the same name. Dude, I don't want to buy the fucking copter. You right. tell me to get in it. <laughs> fucking joke, bro. Like, yo, there's a, like, if you look at Bill's ambulance rides, are like two thousand dollars. My and mom you know, had a procedure, right? She st- she had like stents put in. Yeah. She was in the hospital for like four or five days. Did the stents. Her bill. She's got insurance. Her bill was ninety five thousand dollars. Oh fucking! My dad unfortunately had a heart attack in two thousand seven. He had stents and all that. Yeah. He paid zero money. The, okay. The thing is, I live in a country that has a very high, uh, high and well, well. Uh, sorry funded public uh, healthcare yeah. system, the NHS, NHS. NHS. Okay. Right. It has certain problems. Don't get me wrong. Of course. But, but the contribution I make every month is like 130, I think, for the national security. It's called national insurance something. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the, in the US, the average salary is $50,000. I'm making 30,000 pounds, which is, uh, I don't know, 36, 30, almost, let's say, 39. Yeah. Uh, What's the difference on a pound? Okay, let's say thirty. Like a I'm making, or a, a pound twenty is. Okay, a- I'm making I'm making thirty thousand pounds. Let's say thirty five thousand dollars. So literally, I'm not missing this one hundred and fifty, and everything I get obviously is not free, but it's prepaid if you like. Right. 
I'm wondering. You're not going to be financially ruined. Yeah, since the average salary in the U.S. is fifty thousand dollars, which means a month three thousand fifty, how much four thousand dollars a month for yeah. a person that? Yeah. Okay, how problematic will be to have that one fifty dollars taken out? And supposedly the United States with a workforce of what's the adults' workforce capability? Two hundred, one hundred fifty million out of. Yeah, for sure, it's got to be. More than half, yeah. It's it's gonna be the best funded system in the planet with minimum the loss, and everybody's as you said juggling balls, and it's it's insane because in the end, <laughs> if somebody's scared that he's gonna break his leg or he's gonna hard have some uh, unlucky event and he's gonna not only die if he's sick, he's gonna get ruined financially. It's kind of insane way to live, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'll give you a crazy fact: forty-seven percent of all the personal bankruptcies in America. Our oh, healthcare costs. Yeah. And, and I'm anything but a lefty. I, I, but the way the system works in the United States, I Fucking see it crazy. A bit crazy. Yeah. I mean, how you can spend your well being of your citizens and everybody in the United States are scared shitless that they're going to fall down the stairs, for example, and they're going to have an accident that everybody can have. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not normal. It's not a normal way to live. I think we should have started the podcast because or else you're going to have to do Jack in a bit, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, listen, it's, I mean, I can go on about healthcare for fucking ever. Like, it's such a scam. And if you really look at it, it's like unbelievable. Also, <laughs> like the one thing that people use to not be for some kind of universal healthcare, whether it's the German system, the UK, who gives a fuck, the Canadian system, everybody else does it except for us. And when people say like, oh, but like if people need this, they come to America. That's the biggest bullshit I've ever heard in my fucking life. Because even my luckiest like Rand Paul, he went to Canada to go do a fucking hernia operation because that's the, the best doctors there. Like, let's stop acting like we know every like Americans know. They don't we don't know shit, bro. We got the most guns. That's it. And we got the most have, aircraft carriers. Have the counter argument to that, though. The people that are saying if you paying and you have a public health care system, the state makes certain rules about you. That is absolutely true, because in the US, you have sugar in the UK, you have sugar tax. You have because essentially what the state tries to do is, dude, if you're eating a shit ton of sugar and you're going to develop heart problems in your 50s, you're going to be a burden to the healthcare system. Because right. if you go, if you go on a disability pension earlier, than, that is true. Those considerations in the states that they have national healthcare systems, that is true. The, the state, most of those states, they try gently to nudge you in the correct direction so you don't be a burden in the future. Right. So don't smoke, don't do it. So in the end of the day, the joke obviously is that in the end of the day is either you're going to do it personally so you don't pay. For example, most Americans don't smoke because they don't want to pay medical bills when they get older, right? Sure. It, it's one of the reasons. Well, I don't know if that's the reason why they do it, don't I, smoke. I assume. I mean, you have a very... How can I put it? There was a fitness craze in the United States. There was this stop smoking craze in the United States. Mm -hmm. I assume it's almost also also comes from the from from the the need to be healthier longer. I think there's definitely a small segment of the population that wants to be healthier and fitness and not smoke. I think the big thing was like they made rules for not advertising cigarettes anymore. Um, that was the big thing because like I started smoking when I was fucking fifteen, you know, and I mean I smoked for ten years. 12 years. I'm still vaping. I haven't yeah. got to kick out the habit yet. 
So, I mean, and listen, if you really look like we're the fucking fattest fucking country in the fucking world, bro. We're that is true. So, you know? so I'm coming to say that either you're going to quit smoking because you are afraid you're going to get something and you have to pay for it or the state going to make you quit smoking because they don't want to pay for you. So essentially, right. the, the, the road is, the, it's a fork that leads, leads in the same way. It's well, how you want to go about, read it. about like Germany first example like they when they started it in like the 19 early 1900s like 1915 i think right around right after right before maybe world war one or whatever the u.s was looking at their healthcare system where what happens is they have insurance companies but the insurance companies are nonprofits, and there's also a i think there's also a federally or whatever like statewide public assistant you know like how the n the ni nih how is it what's it called nhs national NHS. health system NIH is, I think, the American one um, that does nothing. Um, <laughs> so there's ways of doing it, right? Like there's, I mean, you can get smart people in a room, figure out the best pieces from each system and get it and make something that make fu makes fucking sense. Use the best charge, practices. Yeah, it doesn't charge people. Bro, my friend's got a f twins, his wife and him, right? He's 36. His wife's 34. His twins are four years old. Relatively healthy family. His his insurance per month is three thousand dollars a month. Oh, fuck me, really? Three thousand dollars a month. And even when they went, he went to the hospital. I think when uh oh when she was pregnant with the twins, and they would go to fucking to get sonograms and stuff, they would still charge him like hundred fifty bucks. He's like, what the fuck is the point of me paying three grand? Well, his company pays it. He's, yeah. he's doing well. So, like, it's okay. But that's not even, like, everything's covered. You still got to get fucking hit. My other cousin went, he got uh, stitches. He got, like, 10 stitches on his eyebrow. He's got, he's wealthy, too. He's got the best fucking insurance. You still he went to the pay. hospital, 10 stitches. They tried to charge him $4,000. Shit. Anyway. They left this. So, let me I get mean, another Coca-Cola. Yeah, go ahead. Roger, Roger. Also, yeah. you're very lucky. You're going to meet Paul Ho today. The guy is a fucking legend. Is he? Yeah, I'm excited. Dude, it's like uh, Paul Ho. It's like everybody knows him. Oh, yeah? <laughs> like, well, listen, yeah, he, I didn't serve, so I don't know shit. You know what I mean? Like, He was in the... Have you seen Black Hawk Down? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. He, he was there. So, yeah, the guy is like legend. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm excited. I like when... uh, I like when we get like uh, guys like who have been in like Mogadishu. Like, that's crazy. You know, I don't I don't think I hopefully we don't like gloss over it because I know like Jack feels like, you know, sometimes, you know, because everyone's talked about Black Hawk Down so often and stuff. So sometimes he doesn't like hitting it, but I'm sure we will. The thing with Black Hawk Down is it was a, it was the United States had the thing in Vietnam, which uh, everybody feels is a loss with mil militarily it ain't, but it's the same way in Afghanistan. Right. You kick you kick everybody's ass, and after a point, your population, which is right, they, they say, "Okay, what's the fucking exit here? We we mm -hmm. we 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 stack bodies like cordwood because that's what happened in Vietnam. Right. By by their own admission, North Vietnam lost one million men. Wow. And the United States lost fifty eight thousand. Which yeah, is, so you, we win. You, yeah, if you look at numbers. You, yeah, if you put it on any kind of war, you you wouldn't assume that the guy that lost fifty eight thousand people lost the war. It right. is. It was just that after a point, there was no exit. The Northern Vietnamese, much like the Afghanis now, they didn't look that they were ever going to be ready to take the fight on their own. So right. people said, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> we're not going to. Yeah, you know, I get you know? it. Man. Listen, I, I mean, I understand completely the reason why the fucking. So I mean, what my... the fuck are we doing? Even Jack and, and Dave, they were saying like, 
there's no fu- what's the, what's their angle? What's the what's the goal here? Just to stay yeah. here forever? There is there is no point if if you spend fortune and blood to right. achieve an objective that is never going to come because the Afghan uh, the Afghan National Army will never going to be ready. Right. And unfortunately, uh, and I agree with Jack, we have discussed that as much money as you throw in some cultures. There is not going to be a liberal democracy sprang out of out of nowhere. Liberal, liberal democracies in the West came about of a specific historical pro- process that led the people to the conclusion that, oh, this sounds like a cool system. Let's use this one. Right. After a lot of blood, blood, sweat and tears. Right. People in the Middle East and in Greece also, you know, we have a thing like, as we say, where, what area are you from? It's a very tribal still thing in Greece. Absolutely, yeah. Not, not in that extent, obviously, we don't kill each other, but still yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, people from different, uh, there was a, a former prime, uh, prime minister called Samaras. He uh-huh. was from Kalamata. So the joke was that he has hired many people from Kalamata in the public sector. Right. So you see that it's the same thing. You're never going to see that in the United States, or you used to see it, the good old boys networks, which now they are considered, you know, uh, uh, something very bad. But in those areas, if you are one tribe, you're going to kill the other tribe. It's simple as that. Yeah, Yeah. in America specifically, like it becomes a little bit different. It's still tribal, I guess, in the psychology, but it's still like you see like who the power structures are, whether it's in state government or federal government and stuff like that. And that's how it, that's what rules the roost. Like I remember reading about like in uh, Greece, right. During 19, during the world war two, mm-hmm. they couldn't fucking, they couldn't really occupy all of Greece because it was fucking mountainous. It was tribal, you know, and somebody didn't know the other person that lived fucking 40 miles down the road. Exactly. Cause there were no uh, fucking roads. Do you know that the big, uh, uh, after 1942, I think, the Italians, so the Germans were occupying, I think, whole of Crete, uh, Athens and Thessaloniki, essentially. The rest of Greece was Italians and Bulgarians. Okay. So uh, a, a large uh, guerrilla force kicked, the, kicked out uh, two whole battalions of Italians from the middle of Greece, like Larissa, that area. Mm-hmm. And since then, that area was free because the Germans didn't have the manpower because they were occupied down in uh, in Russia. Yeah. They, they didn't have the manpower to send somebody to retake. That's why it that was the way it is. It was a whole huge chunk in the middle called Free Greece. Yeah, it's hilarious. I mean, yeah, what do they expect to do? I, like on us too with Afghanistan. I mean, we got fucking, we got Osama in 2011. First off, our partners in this whole fucking war, Pakistan, are fucking scumbags too. With uh, the ISI. They're fucking scumbags. Okay, I have a book that if you read it, you're going to hate him even more. It's called Ghost Wars. Oh, God. So, so essentially, everybody accused the United States of propping up, you know, the Islamist extremists in Afghanistan. I said not, not knowingly, but, you know, I mean, sure. there are people that they say they do it knowingly. But essentially, people forget that ISI was actually running the show. And ISI right. agents could go in Afghanistan while CIA agents were not allowed to go in Afghanistan. And ISI was deciding where the money going to go. And they choose specifically the more radical elements because they wanted an right. Islamist Afghanistan on their side so because at least they don't have to worry for one of their flanks because on right. the other flank is uh, India. Is, uh, yeah. is India. So that that ghost wars, it's brilliant. I think the guy got a Pulitzer from that. It's the history of uh, the involvement in Afghanistan of CIA mm-hmm. from uh, from when the Russians invaded right. until 10 of September of 2001. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I got to read that. Quick question. My, yeah. my godmother was in New York in uh, 
9/11. You you remember that you were like there or you happened to not be there? I was in yeah, I was in Brooklyn. I was in high school. I was oh, born high school. I was 15. Yeah, I I was the same age and the incidentally So I'm getting back home from school. I was, I'm a bit older. Sorry. I was 17. So I getting back from school and I see, you know, a plane hit the tower. And two days ago, I have seen a documentary about small planes flying around. It was playing in Earth One, the national like channel. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was something like that. And as right, the rest of the world, thought initially. exactly. And as the rest of the planet, I saw the second plane. It was anyway. I mean, I'm just saying that It's in my. Funny. I'll tell you, I was in a history class right when it happened, so I didn't see the first one happen. Um. Well, no, it happened. Everything with the both planes hit. I'm in a history class. My history teacher says, like, you know, this happened. Blah blah blah. Um. He's like, take note because this is the day like history's changing, and like he was definitely right. And I remember coming out of school; they let us out of school after that class. It was like just before it didn't collapse yet. And as we're walking on the shore, because I'm right right by the shore, like Shore Road, it's called. You go to the shore and shit, uh, it's, see it, the city. It, it's a, it's a part of Brooklyn, but you can see across over the Hudson River. In yeah, but it's Manhattan. a little bit far away. It's more like the inlet where like the Hudson and the East River meet. So it's because okay. I'm we're more south. Um, but you could see it. It's pretty far, but you could see it. Um, so you see it going down. You see the smoke like crazy. My uncle had a uh, warehouse in Red Hook, which is right by in Brooklyn, but it's literally right across from the city. Um, they were getting like once the the buildings collapsed, they, they were getting papers from like the World Trade Center on their roof, like were flying on. Yeah, I remember. Roof. I remember meaning in the sense seeing in the news how all the debris and all that flew away. As yeah. you said, history not only changed. What is the? How many events do you know that two people from living, even though we have the same heritage, if you like, yeah, living in five thousand miles away, right. can say, "What are you doing that day?" What, yeah, dude. And remember, yeah, you you don't. It's like it's there are not many crazy. events like that. Yeah, that's true. That is a good point. Yeah, it was weird, bro. It's kind of surreal. Very like shocking. We didn't, and then everyone was angry and wanted to kill fucking Muslims. That's what happened, literally. Yeah, unfortunately, people there are people that uh, you're talking about the United States. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, people took it to the wrong to the wrong people. Uh, right. As it as it happens in usually in situations like that, you know. It's When, very interesting in, what like went. I mean, because listen, there was extremism before, right? But like, I feel like now we've definitely made it a 10x problem, right? Like to the next level, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I don't know what was. the fuck we were doing, man. Like, if we were just really going to go clip Osama bin Laden and kill Al Qaeda, I feel like we could have probably done that with like 15,000 special ops guys and CIA. And it, it's a wave. Before you had a wave of extremists coming up, and they those guys were motivated by Waco and by Ruby Ridge. Yeah. And then you have uh, fucking McVeigh that yeah. put everybody. That what happened was there was like a rise in militia numbers. And then McVeigh comes along, and people are came up to the realization that if we do that, if we do that for real, we have to kill kids. And you know, so right. people then just said, "Okay, fuck that. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I haven't signed up for that." Because everybody, I think, the problem with people is that they have an ideal in their mind: mm-hmm. the government is going to be tyrannical. Okay, bro, it's not going to be the fucking Nazis. It's going to be your neighbor. <laughs> so right. you have to you have to solve that equation in yeah. your head. 
if you need to go all out because that's what's happened in civil wars. It's the same that happened in Yugoslavia. It's the same that happened in Greece. Brothers were killing brothers. And obviously in Yugoslavia, that didn't count because it was a religious, uh, uh, sorry, it was religious. uh, Oh my God. The differences were religious. So a family usually was a whole family that it was one religion. But in Greece, which it was political because in the civil war of Greece after World War II, it was literally brothers killing brothers because one brother was a lefty, the other brother was a, in the National Army. And, you know, they were right. shooting each other. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. That's what I wanted to ask you too, right? You were born and raised in Greece. I want to know, like, Greek Americans who are born here, we're fucking taught us really different kind of, like, Greek history. Like, we're taught, like, all he day and stuff like that. Sure, right? Which is true, yeah. Absolutely. And you know, Exoi Turki Apoti Kipro. I remember fucking chanting that at fucking uh, Greek Independence Day. Well, I don't. I don't think many people would like me to say that, but Cyprus were as our own fucking fault. At least we gave them the we gave them the ammunition, or we gave them the excuse to intervene, if you like. Right. Because uh, what's the other it, one? Mas i Makedonia inemia. Okay. Yeah, that whole fucking thing. That's a copyright issue. Yeah, well, I can get on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it. that's what it is. It's a copyright issue because uh, the people of uh, I call them Skopje still. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a bit on the on 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 the Greek side on that uh, sure. on that yeah. thing. They're claiming a history that unfortunately is not theirs. I mean, right. and I'm not gonna get all fucking thing now but i have seen in the british in the british museum uh, ancient Macedon, macedonian plaques which i can read because they're in ancient greece right right it's, yeah. the language is ancient greek so it's i, I understand it. why they do it they have to prop up a nation because it's a uh, it's national albanians with national national uh, ethnic bulgarians with ethnic albanians that mm-hmm. they are coexist in a very fragile situation and actually sure. in 2000 they had a shooting uh, much going on, and so they need a, a narrative, a national narrative, which many right. people, I assume, uh, they say the same about uh, post-liberation Greece in World War uh, that we're not truly Greeks and all that. Uh-huh. Which, yeah, granted, we're not direct descendants of Pericles. Is <laughs> that's not going to happen in two thousand years? Right. But if you see the culture and the cultural elements, it's Jesus Christ. Do you know? Okay. Uh, I'm gonna, and we're gonna start eventually because I have to eat uh, sometime. So, do you know tamata? We do in Greek in uh, the church, like a little leg, a little, you know. I've seen that little, uh, little silver or little gold, uh, like little uh, flat, almost flat uh, images of a leg or an eye, and it's a tama. You you put that in a in a in a in an icon. Mia icona, se mia icona, to tama. Uh, if you if you Google Tama, as I said it, uh, you're gonna M-A- see what I mean. T A M A. Yeah, Tama and make it uh, Tinos, which is the place you know, Panayet Tino. Uh, I'm trying to find the icon though. <clears throat> no, Tinos Tinos Islands coming up. Yeah, yeah, I found it. Okay, I found an uh, image. Okay, I will say I will send you that. I found it. Uh, I will send you a link in uh, Twitter. Okay. Yeah, no, I just wanted to know, like, the difference, because we never learned about, like, the civil wars and shit that went down. We never learned about, like, the junta and stuff. Like, none of that. Not even a little bit of that. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, okay so yeah. if you go to Acropolis Museum, you're going to see the same fucking thing 2,500 years ago. They were doing the same goddamn thing. Yeah. So this is cultural elements that nobody can deny that 
I, we, I, since we both speak Greek, we speak a modernized version of ancient Greek. Right. And when you can understand something, there is a cultural continuation. Obviously, you have the crazies in Greece that they claim direct descendants and all that. I'm like, yeah, bro, with five uh, empires going through here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of doubt it. Right. But obviously, you have the other side that says uh, there was a guy, a German historian called Falkemeyer after the Greek Revolution that they were saying essentially that Greeks were fake people and the true Greeks have been disappeared. And obviously, this is you don't even need science to dispute those elements because for what reason we're going to speak Greek if everybody else has conquered us and destroyed us? I mean, because we saw it in the science, even your language, (laughs) you know, there is no point to use a language that is not yours. Let's say if some other people, uh, the Ottoman Turks, slaughter every Greek, well, I wouldn't speak in Greek today because there is no point for me to speak Greek. That's a good point, yep. I mean, if, if German Nazi German invaded the U.S., like in the man in the high castle, yeah. I, I assume the future generation probably will speak German and not Yeah, or at least English. it's a fucking second. Yeah, it's like you take it in school. Yeah, you, you, you see what I'm getting for. Yeah, those, yeah. those cultural elements, they didn't go away. So if somebody says both sides of the extreme arguments about the existence of Greek people, it's silly, in my opinion. Right. Obviously, obviously, we haven't disappeared. <laughs> We're here. And obviously, we're not direct descendants of uh, Leonidas, not Gerald Butler, probably Gerald Butler, maybe. But yeah, right. <laughs> no, it's an interesting point. Yeah, I just want to know, like in in Greece, like they teach like the history of all the civil war and shit, or no? Well, not. It's a very touchy subject, still, sure, because it's uh, it's very recent, and obviously, it depends. And the. Uh, the most educators are very left-leaning. So when you hear about stories about the civil war, they forgot crucial details, like that the Greek right. Communist Party was indeed invited in the in the elections, but they opted to not participate. Right. Instead, they tried to attack Athens. So it's because essentially the civil war is two parts. Uh, have you ever heard the word the Kembriana? No. So essentially, after the Germans left, the left organization the the called EAM at the time EAM Elas. Yeah, yeah essentially they try they attacked Athens to try to force a government okay right they tried to capture Athens so the remnants of the obviously yes unfortunately the police uh, at the time as in any occupied country was working with the occupiers mm-hmm. because you know that was police that, it's like okay you continue be police and we're going to do the rest it's right. that's how it works yeah so uh, I'm not and obviously, you had people that they willingly collaborated with the Germans. Uh, that's another story. And you, you can have a lot of caveats for that because it's oh, not yeah. as clear cut as it is in, let's say, you know, Holland. Those people were executed afterwards. Uh, not Again, I'm not excusing people that they are collaborating, but there were people that they were like uh, believers, na- mm-hmm. uh, national socialists, and there are people that they collaborated because of X, Y, Z, things that happened it's it's, yeah, it's a whole like the a reality on the ground exactly and uh so those guys attacked... and like people can say and like trying to act like they're fucking better they're like oh, i would never do that like you don't fucking know unless you're fucking there exactly so the attack tried to force they lost that and then when they the election general elections were uh, uh announced and all that they opted to not participate in after the Kemriana, we have uh, the Varkis agreement, which is like for the disarmament and all that. Mm-hmm. And then 
they do the actual attack and this actual civil war starts that lasts for four years and then they lost in 1949. So as you can see, the whole point of... And obviously the national forces were considered uh, monarcho-fascistes, means king fast. Uh, they were part of the establishment, part of the king and fascist forces. It's, it's a common tactic of the, of the communist guerrillas all over the world to bunch right. up their enemies in one you know, common enemy. They don't mm -hmm. try to differentiate. The first guys that obviously did that were the Bolsheviks in Russia. Yeah. They were facing the Greens, which they were anarchists. They were yeah. facing the Whites, which was uh, remnants of the Tsarist and Democratic officers, because that's another thing that many people don't know about the, the, sorry, the October Revolution. The Tsar, the Tsar actually, uh, sorry, uh, abdicated. Right. There was an interim government. The attack right. in the the attack in the in the palace wasn't against the Tsar; was against the government. So that that little detail, many many pesto uh, left leaning. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, you gotta sell it. You gotta sell it somehow. So exactly, people do it, that here in America too, right? Like you know, if you think I th I think I people should have free health care, affordable health care. I'm a fucking communist now. Like well, I'm a socialist communist, which is silly. Yeah, it's silly. You know, everyone fucking groups groups everybody into everything, even though nobody can fucking agree on anything. Yeah. So, well, you're gonna start. You wanna do an introduction? You wanna do it like? A, I mean, listen, bro. Day? I'm gonna put this whole thing on. So this is all the podcast. This even the fucking hour that we did before. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, no. This is all in, bro. Okay. Since you we started modern Greece, uh, you wanna go? Uh, Your like, name is Vasily. Hi, Vasily. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. Uh, pleasure to, to be with you and pleasure to be in the podcast. <laughs> um, so my name is Vasilis Kronopoulos. I was uh, in the Greek Army Special Forces for five and a half years. I'm a self-proclaimed history nerd. Uh, I love anything uh, having to do with history and the little nuances that uh, govern our modern day because yeah. the results of historic actions, it's evident all around us. And I'm always fascinated by that. I you know, uh, I consume a ton of books about the subject, and obviously, I'm very interested in the in the history of my own country, Greece, uh, which is, has a very long, very strange, and very complicated history. Yeah, sometimes, very complicated. So, if you want to start about uh, the Greek Revolution, so how we came to be, and what was those guys call themselves Greeks? So you have ancient Greece, okay, you have, and which essentially when we're talking about classical Greece, we're talking about Athens, Sparta, and some other uh, cities, obviously you have Thebes, and you have, that's the classical era, because uh, the Macedonian, the Alexander the Great, and all that is the Hellenistic era, which is later, uh, it's uh, after uh, the classical era. So you have those, the the big, if you like, explosion of uh, the big success of the Greek world, if we can call it like that, is yeah. that, those centuries. And then you have the decline and you have the Romans. The Romans were the next big empire in the area. And Roman Empire starts to decline and decides to split into pieces, the Eastern and the Western Roman Empire. So the Eastern Roman Empire, uh, the capital is Constantinople. Uh, Constantine the Great makes it its capital. The Western Roman Empire continues to decline until it's obviously destroyed. And 
then you have a strange, uh, a strange thing called Byzantium. Byzantium was never existed. It was an invention of uh, German historians because every state in the Middle Ages in Europe tried to claim legitimacy from Rome, being the continuation of Rome. That's why you have uh, the Germans call their king up until World War I, Kaiser. Kaiser means okay. Caesar. Caesar. That's why the, the Russian Tsar uh, is Tsar. It's again a, another word for Caesar. So those titles came about in the in the need of uh, to be uh, legitimized as the continuation of Rome, and that's why the Russians now consider Moscow the Third Rome, which is we we diverging. But anyway, <laughs> so the Eastern Eastern Roman Empire was limited by time and wars and by the natural. Uh, you know, decay of uh, things that last for a thousand years to right. the Greek space, Asia, Asia Minor, the Greek Peninsula. So essentially, by the end of the existence of that state, you have a group of people that they were Eastern Orthodox. Uh, essentially, it's a mix of Christianity and uh, Platonic uh, philosophy. Uh, it was created by Saint Athanasius and Saint Vasilius and all those guys. I think no, Saint Vasilius didn't do that. Saint Athanasius, even though I'm not a believer, but you know, you have to know your history. So yeah, right. that mi so, that mixer right. was cr created by Saint Athanasius, and so you're not wait wait Vasily, you're not telling me that they weren't the right ones. <laughs> what do you mean the right ones? The right kind of Christianity, bro. Ah, no, no, they weren't. They, uh, which is another thing, uh, they were considered schismatic. That's why the whatever part of Western Europe had still had power when the Ottoman Turks came, uh, didn't uh, help them because the Pope wanted them to become Catholics. And they said, yeah. no, we're not going to do that. Also, as you know, there's a very famous Greek expression, or at least famous from the priests, and many people don't like it, uh, better to wear a Turkish fez instead of the to be subjected to the Pope uh, crown, I don't, a, a tiara, which <clears throat> I don't know how it translates in English. Wow, so like they were super against fucking Catholicism. Yeah, so obviously the the Pope was, uh, at the time was the, still a big, uh, big power because after the fall of the Roman Empire, the only structure that remained in Europe, if you like, was the church. That's how we end up in the Middle Ages with all that theocratic uh, and uh, mixer of uh, of the God and the uh, and the and kings. Mm -hmm. You end up with that because the literally Roman Empire just dissolved into ashes when Rome fell, and right. the, it was a very it was the first essentially modern state, if you like, in many aspects. So when that thing collapsed, uh, the only thing that stayed up was the church. Yeah, and, and you got to use whatever you can to get into power. Exactly. And the church took took over in a kind of uh, like, yeah, we're here and the people are coming to us for food and all that. So, yeah, okay, get food, follow word of God, <laughs> whatever. So that's why the Byzantine Empire asked help from, if you like, the Pope and uh, mm -hmm. the, some Italian states at the time, Venice, that they were still, you know, powerful. So they denied. Uh, Constantinople fells. And the people that left in the area, they were speaking Greeks, Greek, and they were Orthodox Christians, as they say, as I That's said. Christians, yeah. And after 400 years, and they were calling themselves, it was a very complicated thing because they were calling themselves Romans. And I think as a fellow Greek, you have heard the expression Romnios, which essentially means Roman. Yeah. 
and even the Turkish uh, Ottoman the Ottoman Empire was calling Greece Rum Millet, which uh, it's like Greek county, if you like, Roman county. Uh-huh. Okay, so but at the same time they spoke in Greek. They were living in the area. So a national, if you like, enlightenment came to be from the sense that we're not only different from our occupiers, but we're also descendants of the people that they were living here. Right. We're also Greeks. <clears throat> because, right. because so you become in, yeah more nationalistic fucking looking at looking at things except we're not romans we're not byzantines we're fucking greeks which also it's funnily enough because at the time people were giving their kids name of ancient uh, persons like that's why you have modern greece uh, names surviving like leonidas or uh, socrates or anything like that which is sure. it's na- names given to kids at the time because they wanted to also, uh, that is the, during the 400 years of the Ottoman right. occupation, wanted to signify that we're not only we're different, we're we're Greeks. Where did Dimitri so, come from? Russia? No, uh, Dimitri is actually Saint Dimitrius. It's a, it's I think it's a Latin in, uh, I think it's Latin in. Uh, you never think that it's Latin. That's hilarious. I think it is. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's the I, the. I trust you. It's the Saint Demetrius also killed the beast. I think you have Saint George killing the dragon, and you have Saint Demetrius killing another well, kind of beast. Saint Demetrius is killing the dude. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, God, man is beast. You're right. You're right. You see, even even me, I'm forgetting. Saint Basil was uh, giving uh, gifts. That's why I don't know if many of you, uh, anybody likes to know those silly details in the Greek, and I think uh, in the Greek at least. Uh, Folklore, the gifts in uh, the not in Christmas Eve because in the we Jane, get a, our yeah. gifts in the in the New Year's Eve, they're not brought by Saint Santa Claus or Santa Nicholas essentially. Jane, they were they were brought by Saint Vasilius because in in uh, he was a bishop that he used to help the poor people and he was making pies and you know all that does. He was a yeah. Very, we don't we don't uh, Greek Americans don't fucking follow that. We we're. We give out our gifts on on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Well, you have to follow the the neighbors, right? If, if the yeah, neighbors are giving yeah. them Christmas, like what are those strange guys. Do? But we do have like you know, um, like on New Year's Day, my mom is Vaso is a Vasi. What's my mom's Vasa. Vasia Vaso yeah. is the same name. Is the Mickey. and then yeah. my Uncle Bill too. Like so, we have like it's like a it's a more of a to do on January first for Greeks. Then I'm assuming most people, which is another thing that I always find peculiar. Are my my name is also Vasilis, so the actual and literal translation in a, in the English of the name Vasilis is Basil. But many Greeks that immigrated to the United States or other English speaking countries, they go for Bill. I have no yeah. idea because Bill is William, so he has not, nothing, no relationship with the name Basil. Well, so, think of this, bro. My name is Dimitri, but my. Uh... My name on my license and my government name, I guess, is James. Yeah, the, I, it's the same in uh, many people in Greece that their name Dimitris as a nickname Jimmy. between friends, uh, Jimmy's. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway, so through that situation and obviously the Ottoman Empire occupation was nothing funny. They had a system called Devrisme. So they were taking kids away 
And usually Greeks were not considered the first and finest first raw material for warriors. They were becoming, they were becoming public servants. Uh, the, the Slavic people of the north, like uh, the Serbs and Bulgarians, they were considered, uh, you know, better soldiers. Huh. And they were become what they called the, uh, a very famous, uh, you know, military corps called, uh, course, sorry, called Janissari. Essentially, they were uh, kids that they were uh, inducted in the Islamists. They were, they were making them, you know, believers. Yeah. And then they were fighting. The, that's funny enough. The Ottoman Empire is a very, very strange political structure, if you like. Some, some historian has, uh, has called them an empire of slaves. Essentially, every people in the, in the machine, in the government machine, were some kind of, uh, in, how can I put it, inductee in the, in the culture. It was oh. a guy that he was some other thing. He converted to Islam, and then he was like raised to the ranks. Wow. Or for, forcibly, or otherwise, or because, <laughs> sure. because, uh, as I said, religion played a, a significant role. Because at the time, all you had to do to, in order to escape, like being taxed and all that, was to convert to Islam. Because, uh, because the the government of the Ottoman Empire was according to the the, the scriptures of Islam. Because the people of the book, as they called. Jews and Christians and all that, meaning people that they have scriptures, they are to be subjected to um, tax taxation so that true believers can live. It's, it, wow. Okay. It, so uh, a Greek village, for example, was paying a tax, a, a tax, and I think it was called a head, a head tax because every person had to pay a, a certain percent. If you're not Muslim. If you're not Muslim. So the people that, uh, if you wanted to change, all you had to do, and I assume it wasn't that easy, or maybe it it was, uh, you had to uh, convert to Islam and be part of the Ottoman, if you like, government structure and machine. So the Deverisme was that main, uh, or a blood tax. Many people have called that blood tax, and it was uh, referring to the taking of very young kids to make them converts and then, you know, utilize them either as military personnel or as you know, government officials. Sure, yeah. So that's why many of the sultans in the end, for example, in the Ottoman Empire, there were people of uh, Albanian descent, of, I think they had a couple of Greeks. Uh, I don't know if, you, uh, so you have, you mentioned a friend of yours, which is Albanian. The guy that is the national hero of Albania, it's a very Greek sounding guy. His name is Georgios Kastriotis, which yeah, is very Greek sounding. Yeah, so it's the yeah. national hero of Albania because he, he beat the Ottoman Turks and made the Albanians sovereign. You know, it's like, it's stuff like that. The, so anyway, so the, the Greeks, they have that national awakening, as, as we call. People will start to read, uh, learn, write, understanding more about where they're coming from, why they're different about. And with the help, obviously, with uh, certain, um, there were attempts, uh, many historical uh, events, uh, sorry, uh, many his histories about the Greek revolution forgot that the 400 years before were never quiet. You have local revolutions popping up here and there. Uh, yeah. But at the time that those local revolutions <clears throat> came, the Ottoman Empire was still very strong and usually they were uh, ending up, you know, in a bloodbath. Sure. Yeah. Uh, in the 18, 1821, the Ottoman Empire was... Year. 
Yeah, it was in decline. So it was like the right, so, uh, right time. Uh, at the time, the Ottomans were called the great uh, patient. Uh, and it's a thing that lasted until the dissolution uh, after World War I. So because the Ottoman Empire was huge, as you can understand, it takes time for such a, sure. a, a big yeah. thing to... But the first cracks were also evident when Greeks started to try to uh, revolt. Mm-hmm. So... You have uh, very rich Greeks outside Greece organizing uh, secret societies. Well, I think you call you know it. It's a, it's called Filiki Eteria. Yeah. It was it was organized in the in the in the Freemasonry uh, prototype. If you like that, that's the ways they use it. They they used uh, the how can I put it. They used the ways Freemasons used because both of the three creators were also Freemasons themselves. And because Freemasonry wasn't always accepted, the Freemasons had a, a way of conduct to hide from, you know, plain sight and all right. that. So those guys used those uh, fieldcraft, if we can use it, as a, as a basis to organize that network of people that they wanted to help Greece revolt. So 20... the the date we have as the start of the evolution, it's kind of uh, it's a kind of an invention. Uh, there was never, uh, you know, a big gathering in a church. Uh, Paleon Patron Germanos never. Is that blessed. the one March seventeenth? Twenty five, twenty fifth of March. Okay. Twenty uh, fifth of March. So it, it, it essentially it was a little local fire started in Peloponnesus, and when ah. you know, yeah, of course, uh, and when. Uh, when people this uh, make uh, you know found out that this is big they join in yeah. it was it it was and actually there is a common thing there is a guy called a uh, greek national hero called papa flesas which was a priest so as the story goes that because the at the time in order to uh, to have fealty to somebody it wasn't enough to say it people uh, greek greek uh, leaders of villages and towns they said their kids as hostages. Oh, so wow. that, that guy, Papa Flesas, uh, essentially kind of forced everybody because he said in a meeting with all those guys, okay, tomorrow I'm start hitting the Turks. If you don't have guns, when I do that, it's your problem. Oh, wow. So because everybody was a bit, yeah, do you want to start now? It's going to, it was, you know, the apprehensions of the final moments, if you like. Sure. Yeah. So the Greek Revolution begins. Unfortunately, it's not goes as good as the American Revolution, because the the problem lies to the fact that you have educated Greeks that they have as in their mind something like the states they met outside Greece, like France, like the UK. Yeah. The United States, funnily enough, is a big inspiration. It's part of our national. So our national hymn is called "Hymn to Liberty." Our national anthem, sorry. Yeah. So it it stands us from a very big poem um, uh, written by Dionysius Solomos that actually in specifically says that when we had a revolution, Washington's land were happy because they could see in us how they were like in chains. So there was like a, you know, and which is funny enough, Philadelphia is a Greek world, city of brotherly love. Yeah. Because it's, okay. So, uh, and I don't know if many listeners know, the Greek revolution's motto was uh, liberty or death, eleftheria ethanatos. I don't know if anybody has a, a, a read Patrick, what Patrick Henry said, but it sounds too similar to be a coincidence, maybe. Sure. Uh, give me liberty or give me death. So, right, yeah. Yeah, a little too spot on there. 
So they have those disagreements because you have people that they were like the grassroots movement. And this is then they try to say, okay, guys, we revolt because we want to take the lead. They, they couldn't grasp the idea of a central state. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because essentially they wanted to be the leaders of the county they wanted. It was, right. as I said, again, very tribal and very... Yeah. So there, there is a, also a mini civil war going over there. Jesus Christ. G- Greeks made. So we had a mini civil war while we're fighting a revolution, a, a revolution which almost failed because of that. Sure, and, yeah. It would make sense like if, the two, if the one side is fighting each other. And uh, <clears throat> then you have Navarino, which is was the funny... I know the story. So it was the combined fleets of Britain... Uh, France and Russia, and apparently the British uh, admiral opened fire first. So as far as I know, they say that this is the only victory that the Royal Navy doesn't celebrate because the guy acted on his own, apparently. Uh-huh. So anyway, Navarino happens, the Turkish fleet is, sing- is sunk, sorry, and the revolution gets like reignited. So in 1932, we have the first, the state of modern Greece, which at the time was, uh, sorry, Rumeli, which is the, imagine the Athens, where Athens is. Yeah. And Peloponnesus, that's about it. Oh, wow. That, that was the state of modern Greece. So, okay, when I'm going after the modern Greece, obviously, uh, the, then you have the various wars that happened in order to increase are, are like, there were Greek populations in whatever place is now Greece, okay? So people at the time, they were going about how we can get those guys in also. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest, uh, let's say, the biggest attempts we did was uh, what's considered now the Greek part, which is it's the Greek, let's say, county. It's, it's a different, uh, it's a different, uh, sorry, civil... Uh, division because we're using the French system and not the Anglo-Saxon system that has right. counties. But forgive me that I don't remember the, the name in English. So we have the what is modern day Macedonia, Northern Greece. You have for 12 years, I think, a guerrilla warfare. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were sending army officers into that area to protect the Greek villages there. And those guys were fighting with Bulgarians that they wanted to do the same. They wanted to get you know the, that land for for their side, and while at the same time they were battling the Ottomans, that they were like the the occupiers in the area. Jesus so it, 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 it was a three-way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the big event in Greece was we what we called uh, the Balkan Wars. Uh, so the first Balkan War was us, Serbia, Bulgaria, and I think I'm forgetting something. Everybody ganged up against the Ottoman Empire. Mm-hmm. And we kicked them out completely of the Balkans. And the second Balkan war, which started like six days after the end of the first, was uh, the Bulgarians were unhappy with what they got because they didn't get Thessaloniki and they didn't get Macedonia because we got that. And they attacked us. So (laughs) imagine that. Like uh, At the time, many Greeks, and uh, then you have World War I, Mm. uh, which uh, you have the Macedonian front. And after that, you have what eventually happened the uh, the sorry it hunts the campaign in asia minor because after world war one finished turkey yeah. was on the losing side yeah so i the, see right here they acquired through the treaty of sebris yeah the treaty of sebris then gave to greece asia asia minor so we landed there 
And we decided we wanted a bit more. I mean, sure, stupid, why not? Stupid, stupid, if you ask me. So they tried to go all the way to Ankara. Oh so the, the Ottoman Turks, uh, the government of Otto, the Ottoman Empire essentially destroyed. There is a guy coming up uh, called Kemal Ataturk. It was the movement of the young Turks mm-hmm. for t- yeah. the Turkish side. Uh, because I have friends that they are Turkish here, they're friends. They, it's uh, my supervisor at work, and we have discussions like that. Yeah, he has like a picture. Each other? No, no, that's the funny I'm thing because he, he actually helped me in the job. Because the thing is, but he has a picture of Kemal Ataturk at his place, and I said to him, you know, that I understand for you is a, you know, it's a big hero, yeah. but for many other people, he's a slaughter. He's because he tried right. to, he slaughter us, he slaughtered the uh, Armenians. So right. it's, you know, it's one, na- especially in the Balkans, that rings completely true. One nation's hero is the other guy's oh, yeah. uh, nightmare. Right. I mean, our national hero, let's say, uh, if I can compare it with something, was uh, Theodoros Kolokotronis. It's probably right. the Greek. He's the the Greek- That's the guy I know. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably the Greek George Washington, if you can say something. He was a political man. He was also the military leader. He actually destroyed the city of Tripoli, not, not the Tripoli in Libya, the Tripoli in Greece. Right. There is a Tripoli in Greece. He was the center of uh, Ottoman rule in Peloponnesus, and he decided at the beginning of the uh, revolution, in many of the instances of local uprisings, the Ottoman, um, uh, the Ottoman like officials were saying, okay, guys, we're going to give you this, which is you wanted, just shut the fuck up and sit down. And many yeah. were like, okay. So the argument is that Kolokotron is being political and smart, he decided they wanted something really, really bad to happen. So that thing will never be that the, the, the possibility of compromise was, you know, beyond, beyond right. uh, reach. So he actually said to his guys, okay, guys, if you go and capture Tripoli, we, I'm going to let you loot it. So there was a three or four days orgy of slaughter. Right. They slaughter everybody in the city, uh, every Turk, every Turkish uh, Ottoman citizen, everybody. So uh, if you ask a Turk about Kolokotroni, probably he wouldn't have the, the best of Sure, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, it's understandable. And unfortunately, this is the nature also of war in the Balkans. I had that discussion with uh, our com- a common friend of ours the other day. Because things are so close and they're so heated up, Okay, I don't want to sound like, oh, you don't know what you're doing. But okay, when an American goes to war in the place, let's say, I don't want to sound offensive, but I'm just trying to explain. It's usually more more with high ideals in, you know, because sure. the, the distance and the lack of immediate danger, I might say, to people in the United States allow him to have ideals obviously right, in battle right. obviously in battle as everybody says you don't fight for ideals you fight for the pe- person behind you and all that fine i'm just trying to explain and yeah, i'm but not the trying reasoning to, to go to go to war sure no yeah, I, i'm not trying to generalize i'm not i'm not trying to generalize again i'm not trying to sound offensive. i mean bro I'm, we have two fucking huge oceans you know what i mean we're not worried really about canada or fucking mexico invading us but in the balkans especially right you have i, I will give you an example Everybody knows Kosovo, the place that Serbia, yeah, uh, yeah, the Kosovo war and all that. So there was a village there, I think, or a whole group of people that they were hating the other guys because those guys didn't take part, their part, in the Battle of Kosovo in nineteen, sorry, ten seventy one. Yeah, that's crazy. So this stuff in the Balkans is the, essentially it's like gangs, it's blood feud, but right, blood feuds. Right. If I if I can say something. It's, it's very common, and usually when 
two countries that there is very close by fight like that because it's a battle of, uh, if you like, of a, for the, your very existence. Right. It's not pretty. Of course. So no, it makes total sense, man. Like it totally makes sense. Ob- obviously, can every can anybody says that I am excusing anything? No, because you have the Yugoslav War, which was an orgy of uh, like war crimes. Yeah, I'm just saying that unfortunately, those war crimes didn't sprung out like you know out of nowhere. It happens because there was other war crimes 50 years back. Right. And if you go, he gets other stuff, right? Again, and if you go to those guys 50 years back, they did some. So the Serbians oppressed in some way, if I remember correctly, before World War the Croats. The Croats worked with the Germans in World War II. Right. They even had a special knife called Serb cutter. They were cutting their necks of the Serbs. So when the Serbs... I mean, you can see a lot of this too, like in uh, in uh, Asia, right? Like with Japanese, Korean, Chinese. Yeah. Like so Southeast what? Asians. Like they have fucking blood feuds. They fucking hate each other. Exactly. So when the Serbians were able to do it in the 90s, they... You know, slaughter everybody it. else. Right. It's, it's, it's like, so that's why I don't take sides on those shit because many Greeks, because the Serbians are uh, fellow Orthodox Christians, they assume is like, it's okay. I'm like, dude, don't take sides in the Yugoslav wars. Was a, was a war crime extravaganza. There is no point yeah, for it. Right. All war is a fucking disaster, right? Well, yeah. I'm just saying, as I said, why in Balkans you have that event or in sit in wars that neighboring states yeah. with bad blood between them. I'm not yeah. excusing it. I'm not saying it's fine. I'm just saying, eh, well, that's the way it is in that right. part I mean, of the world. It's what it is. Yeah, it's like, it's what it is. I feel like that's human nature. You're going to have tribal blood fucking feuds that run deep and run for centuries. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I feel like that's a human thing, unfortunately. We're not perfect. We're fucking pieces of shit humans, right? Like, we, we don't... There's no perfect people. There's no perfect human besides Greek Orthodox, obviously. <laughs> but, so, like, again, I'm just joking. Like, everyone's a fucking animal when it comes to it. I get it, man. And I understand, if you like, I know why Kemal did what he did it. Obviously, as a Greek, um, I don't consider... but. He had populations that, by all uh, means, he, they were enemy, enemy populations. What you can do about them. Right. Uh, and especially 100 years back. So it's like, I, how can I put it? It's very, it's, sorry, I'm trying to find the right words to navigate that because I don't want to sound like I'm giving excuse to that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I can't expect somebody 200 years back to have my, the same morality I have. Sure, right. Or, yeah. or you can see it in, as we said, the Yugoslav wars happened 20 years ago and you see that shit show. So it's like, yeah, it's a bit brutal. of a, yeah. So anyway, so the Ottoman Turks, uh, sorry, are dissolved. Kemal Ataturk came up. He organizes the Turkey side much, much better. Obviously, with the pressure of the Greek army, they were like closer to their bases while we were going away and other military mistakes. It's not only that. So we're getting pushed out and eventually pushed out Asia Minor. They destroyed the city of Smyrna. They slaughtered the population there. Uh, it's a big, it's considered a big catastrophe in the, in, for the Greek people. Uh, and 
Okay, you see, now I'm forgetting, I'm losing my train of thought. So that was the end of 20, after that happened in 2022, sorry, 1922. And I was trying to say before- and That ended up the Treaty of Lausanne. Lausanne, Lausanne. Sorry. It's Lausanne, which funnily enough, the modern Turkish government doesn't like it very much and he wants more. And I'm like, we signed that as losers in a war. What more do you want? Right. Which shows you the, that, Who's the maximum? Because the Greek side is accused of maximalism. And I'm like, yeah, well, the other guys, they want a treaty that they we sign as losers. They, they want more. Who's the guy right. that asks too much here? Right. That's so, a good point. Yeah, I mean, like, Aragon's a fucking nightmare. So that, that uh, war uh, ends the military involvement, uh, at least for a, for a few years, of Greeks. And by that time, you have a lot of Greeks that they are in uniform for 12 years. Oh, wow. And... We're not talking about a volunteer army here. We're yeah, talking yeah. about conscripts. We're not talking about people that they're getting paid or it's all for God and country. Right. So my, my grand, great-grandfather was a, a cavalryman. He was one of the guys that reached the, apex, the upper, the tidal point of the Greek army, the Sangario River, mm-hmm. which is like, I don't know, 100 miles from Ankara. So... He was he survived and he he got back in uh, in Greece and he was in the army I think for eleven years at the time. Wow! And obviously at the time you didn't have any modern modes of communication. They considered him dead. Wow! And, That's and a couple of months afterwards, they hear like a knock in the in the rails of the house that he like he used to do, and he understood he that was him. Wow! That's fucking crazy. It's not that's the only time that Greeks get back like that. It's the same stories happening in World War II. People walk the distance from the borders all the way back to Athens. Holy shit. So uh, after that, the 2022, obviously you have a lot of political things in Greece. Like you have a king. I forgot right. to mention the, anything about the, the kingdom king. of Greece. Yeah. Yeah. The kingdom of Greece. You have a lot of military uh, dictatorships. It was like crazy in the, in the twenties was like every other Somebody was doing a, a everyone's coup. just trying to get fucking everyone's just trying to get to the top, basically trying to get. Yeah, there. because the funny thing is, obviously, the, the king was there. So you nominally you have a constitutional democracy, sorry, a, a constitutional monarchy, because that was what it is. But, you know, everybody below on a prime minister was a former military guy or whatever. Right. Yeah, we, we got late on the game. And unfortunately, despite being created the concept when we actually get it again, like our, the chance to govern ourselves, mm-hmm. we didn't, it didn't go well for the, for the first years. Nobody knew how to do it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I uh, that. there's going to be a huge fucking power vacuum. People are going to be jostling for it. Yeah. So Greece in the twenties and the thirties uh, didn't, exp- didn't experience experience that the modernity, you know, that came sure. with everybody else. Uh, in the extent, obviously, a small country in in that side of the world uh, experienced it. At the time, funnily enough, we have a very big wave of going to the United States. The first big was in around 1890s. And then I think the second big wave was uh, uh, in the 20s and the 30s. Uh-huh. And another th- interesting story, I forgot about the Balkan Wars and about the wars in Asia Minor. Uh, a ton of Greek-Americans Obviously, sorry, not Greek Americans because they were not born there. They were immigrants that they came back 
fought the war and moved back to the United States. Yeah, I think that's what happened with uh, my great grandfather because they went the a lot of them went to America in the twenties, had like fucking families and shit, came back and fought in like I think I don't know if it was World War One or uh, in World War Two. Yeah, a lot of a lot of them do it on World War Two. I'm talking about the Balkan Wars and okay. World War One. What essentially was for Greece a big war, first, second Balkan War and uh, World War One, which is a big war for Greece. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 30s, obviously, you have so in the 30s you have again a military dictatorship called uh, by a guy called Ioannis Metaxas. That guy was a military guy and he was actually a staff officer during the Asia Minor events. Uh, to his credit, despite being a dictator, many people tried to discredit him because he was a dictator. And I'm like, yeah, okay, he is a dictator, but he t- took the, wrong, the right choices. For example, he, he foresaw that the war is coming. And despite the fact that he was a German educated officer, he studied in the military academies of Germany, if you like. Wow. And he was a, a sorry, a, a guy that liked German culture and the Germans in general. He decided that it's prudent for Greece to side with the right. allies. Yeah. His, actually, his words was, uh, it's our, in our best interest to side with the allies, to side with the democracies because they're going to win in the end. I think he said specifically democracies and the Jewish, the Jews which, you know, Greeks, they have a thing to point that out. So I think that was his direct quote. But anyway, he made the right choice. Yeah. He actually prepared the army very well. And that is the thing. I don't know many, how many Greek Americans, they know that. There is always this story that the 1940s win against the Italian army was like some kind of miracle. It wasn't. The Greek army had four or five years of preparation behind him. Right. Uh, so the whole thing was... Uh, we had ammunition. We had the correct way of actually mobilizing people. If you get to the nitty-gritty details of it, this, we did exactly what we, sh- we were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we managed to uh, not only repel, uh, sorry, not only defend against the Itali- Italians, but repel them. We captured areas of South Albania. Okay, right. you want the you want the story? <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> Okay, because it's it's very dramatic. On anyway, the story goes, and it's the reality that in the evening of uh, sorry, morning of 20, uh, 28th of October nineteen forty, right, the Italian ambassador at three o'clock in the morning. So we're talking about twenty seven going to the morning of the twenty eighth. So, it, but it's twenty eight, obviously, because of the change of the. The Italian ambassador arrives in the. Uh, residence of the prime minister, which is in the suburb in Athens called Kifisia. The house still stands, if you want to go there and see it. I have actually been there. He knocks on the door and he gives to Metaxas an ultimatum that either you're going to allow the Italian forces to march through Greece and, you know, deal with any British forces that you have here, or we're going to attack. So the attack was planned for five in the morning, and that happens in three in the morning. So, as you know, a very good ultimatum, not a surprise attack at all, just keeping appearances. Yeah, yeah. So, Metaxas didn't actually say no or he. He said in France, in France, okay. because at the, at the time that was the legal, uh, that was the diplomatic language, if you like. Interesting. He, he says, 
uh, Alors Laguerre. I'm pretty sure where, uh, if there is a French person listening to that, his hair is on fire, which means <laughs> mm-hmm. so we are at war. And Ohi, according to his, to her, his sister, uh, when the Italian uh, ambassador tried to say something in retort, like, you don't have to do that, yada, yada, yada. Right. Metaxas goes, Ohi, meaning I don't want to hear anymore. This is it. We're at war. But obviously, Alors Eraguer in the Greek population in 1940s it doesn't sound like a good motto. So, Ohi, it became the answer. <clears throat> yeah, Aki's easier to sell too. Exactly. So uh, that's how that came to be. The Italians attack. Uh, there was a few like moments of danger, but essentially they, sorry about the language, getting their shit kicked in. No, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> we actually kicked them back from their latching, from the assault positions. All the way we capture great part of northern, uh, sorry, southern Albania, mm-hmm. uh, and. As the story goes, yes, indeed, they asked help from the Germans because Germany at the time were, was on their way to attack the Soviet Union, Barbarossa. But if you have a port and a free country like Greece in your side, means that the, the British might do a landing there. Right. And you're you're going to have an exposed side. So they wanted Greece out of the, out of the way, occupied. So, you know, the Allies can't do anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's strategic fucking, it's really important. So they attacked. Unfortunately, at the same time, the Greek uh, general staff, despite being brilliantly so far, they had the same thing that every military man in the planet has. They didn't want to give ground because the British allies, ah, I wanted to point out that uh, many people and Italians, especially they, gripe and cry that uh, oh the British I mean, that's what fucking Italians do all the time bro yeah, yeah they gripe that the British helped us kick kick them kick them out mm-hmm. but at the time we did that uh, by the time we did that uh, so we're talking about the very few first months of the war the only British presence in, in Greece was a couple of uh, squadrons of hurricane so okay. it, it wasn't exactly any division because uh, obviously at the time the Britain uh, had its own set of troubles. Sure, yeah, they had their fucking hands full. Yeah, so, uh, but Italians, they will go about that the British helped us won because they want to, I, I guess that's what they were taught in their schools because they wanted to, you know, alleviate some of the same because... You gotta save face, bro. Dude, they came about to, we have 100,000, uh, sorry, uh, bayonets that, because that was the, the, you know, the motto for the Italian army, the army of the 100,000 bayonets. So they, those guys with That's the like a shitty motto, yeah, with the fascist like uh, all this fanfare and all that, they came about to some fucking peasants over there. We right. kick their asses, so <laughs> they had to find an excuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's the same like the Soviet Union going against uh, Finland. So the Finnish kick their asses. They had to find an excuse about it. So, so got a safe face, bro. Exactly. So the British allies at the time, they tried to persuade us, persuade us to hold, funnily enough, Thermopylae, the hot gates, because it's the narrowest point again in Greece. Yeah. They wanted us to go back there. Uh, but many people were apprehend- apprehensive to leave all that ground that they were uh, worn with blood, sweat and tears to the Italians because they were worrying about the post-war situation, if you like. Because right. as you know, Got it. it's like, okay, you gave us that ground. Now it's going to be an Albanian ground. But 
because obviously if you lose the ground and you are there when you lose it, there is stuff you can say on a on an international court. If somebody or anyway to somebody that will decide who that ground belongs to. Sure. So they didn't they didn't want to fall back that back uh, that uh, long back because obviously again the area in northern Greece is always kind of like a disputed area if you like. Right. Every, yeah. Everybody has a say on the thing. So that. Everyone today, has a claim about it. Yeah. Yeah. That. For example, we claim. Okay, we don't claim. It's a what we call Megali there. It doesn't work anymore. Nobody believes it. Besides, some crazy nationalists. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, so Megali there means uh, Asia Minor and uh, South Albania, which called Voria Epirus, which still has Greek populations. So if many people use it as a weapon against Greece in a political thing, like when right. there is a dispute with Albania, they call us imperialists that we want. So no Greek government in the right 50 in the last 50 years has actually pursued anything like that right yes there are organizations yes there are individuals yes there are like you know the hard the hardliners of such subjects but there is no nobody yeah, that like anything actually, else they're gonna have extremists yeah so but nobody actually pursues that as a policy. Actually, our policies we don't we don't want anything. It was policy like Karam, under Karamanlis, like 15 years back. We don't we don't claim anything. He has that was the motto of the international policy according uh, regarding our neighbors. Sure. So, I mean, anyway, it probably makes sense. Yeah, because uh, you know what, we're okay. I, to be honest, Greece will be in a much better space if we didn't have Turkey. Breathing down our neck, and especially with Erdogan now, even worse, we 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 give a shit ton of money in military equipment. Okay, I'm a military guy, but you know what? If we can give that money to infrastructure, to you know, for develop tourism, it will be way way better. But unfortunately, we have to pay to get the 30 new Rafals, the French Mm -hmm. uh, new generational fighter. Yeah, yeah, the Dassault Rafals, because. Unfortunately, people are flying over our islands and they say they're not our islands. So <laughs> Right. No, you got to do what you can to fucking protect our your exactly. airspace. It's what it is. Like, what are you just going to let fucking Turkey or whoever run amok? Yeah, you can't. Yeah, because uh, then you have governments like Germany and obviously with the spending and the debt crisis in Greece. Okay, granted, some things are t- solely our mistake. But you have countries like Germany going, oh, why you spend so much in guns? I don't know. Why are you selling guns to the Turks? <laughs> because they, they actually... Good question, they, right. They're they saying that, but they keep selling them stuff. Right. So it's like, as a Greek, even though I was in the army, yes, I would prefer to not have that kind of spending in that kind of... Sure. Um, for, unfortunately, uh, my, our neighbors, uh, and especially regarding to Turkey is not Sweden and Switzerland. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, listen, they're fucking, they act belligerent. So you have to do so, something to defend yourself. And obviously somebody will say, yeah, he's a Greek. He will say that he's on the I'm from America, bro. I'm here. Like what? I mean, think about it. if somebody had, you have a house and somebody keeps coming on your fucking lawn all the time. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to do something, right? You have to protect yourself and defend yourself. You 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 don't count. You are a Greek American. You're 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 on one of us. That's how that's how Greeks view it at least. You know, yeah, he's a Greek American. Greek for sure. If somebody asks me, "Hey, what's <laughs> I'm Greek." I say I'm Greek. I hope you don't explain to them how the word kimono comes from kimonos, right? No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't pull that off. I don't pull the like the word. The Gasportokalos. The Gasportokalos uh, yeah. uh, move. Anyway. So I like when it's not a Greek word, I like saying that, oh, it's this is a Greek word. 
and I, <laughs> and I just make stuff up. And fuck <laughs> That's what I like doing. Nice, nice. So the Germans unfortunately did the the eight classical trick, uh, trick that they did in World War Two. Uh, they maneuver away from our forces. Uh, we had a, a very nice set. Actually, it held the last. The series of forts called the Metaxa line lasted longer than other more advertised uh, forts. We're not going to say the names. We don't want to offend anybody, but they lasted longer. So the Maginot line, you mean? uh, Yeah, and not only that, uh, the Belgian uh, fort, the Belgian uh, border fortress also failed quite quickly, and. What else? The Danish ones? So anyway, at the time, many people had fort, fort lines, fortified lines. So uh, imagine that essentially the Germans, I think, didn't care much about Greece because they let, they let the Greek army go. They didn't right. capture much people. They, many people will say that because obviously Hitler mentioned that, that we fought bravely. Mm-hmm. So uh, many people will say it was... a uh, you know, an honor. They did it to us because we fought bravely. I can see it both ways. I'm, I'm trying to be objective. I can see that, yes, indeed. Well, if, you know, Hitler himself at least mentions that from all the armies we face, the Greek the Greek soldier fought valiantly and more hard. Yeah, I will yeah. take that, even though it's freaking Hitler. So right, you can yeah. see how you can see how it goes both ways. I you mean, guys I understand will... where that you know that grows a sense of pride and stuff like that, right? Like this fucking scumbag Hitler he <laughs> took a second and was like, "Yeah, even these these guys were pretty fucking rough." Well, right? we get we give them a, a run for their money. I mean, the the German paratrooper corps, sorry, the Falskrimjager, uh, mm-hmm. the the their their whole thing died in Crete. Right, yeah, Hit- yeah. Hitler never wanted to use them again for air operations because after the failure, they uh, failure. They they won the battle, which is a, a very big question in and on itself. Uh, sure, but they suffered I mean, an insane five thousand dead. I think I can Google yeah, that. Not, yeah, that's a lot. Uh, op- uh, the survivor, the survivors got a. In the German army, you were I don't know the word now, but you were an emblem around your sleeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, the survivors uh, got uh, that crit in the in their sleeve. Oh wow! That, that because it was like that hard. Wow! Um, and actually, I have been to Battle of Crete. Give me a second. So anyway, according to okay, total casualties five thousand eight hundred and ninety four. With a uh, thousand of them to be uh, KIA and two thousand being MIA, and as you know, usually MIA are dead after a prolonged period of time. So sure. we're talking about three thousand KIA possible. So yeah. it was a very a very hard battle. Uh, the local population participated. Greek soldiers participated. Uh, so yeah, we gave them we gave them a good bloody nose. But obviously that until. They invaded Russia, and then you have the casualties skyrocketing because those casual those casualties in the Eastern Front were like a you know a Thursday afternoon. Yeah. So Greece, it's occupied. Uh, it has uh, SOE teams operating Greece. Uh, there is a very classical movie, uh, The Guns of Navarone. Uh, I don't know if whoever sees it. It uh, it's, it's it's the story about a special operation executive. A team that operates in Greece with the the 
mission to destroy some uh, naval guns. Uh, you have there is a lot of guerrilla. There is a guerrilla war going against the the, Ita- the Italians, the Italians and the Germans. Two political factions uh, constitute that war. The one group is called Amelas, and they're left leaning. The people that were joined them, they were not always left leaning, and that right. led that led to another problem later in the post-war years and the post-civil war years. Many people that. You know, you're you're a young guy in a village, and the Germans do something, and you say, "Yeah, I want to go to revenge. I want to take right. revenge." And they go up, up in the mountain, and the first guy they see, it's a guy from Amelas. They will join with that group. That guy though wasn't a communist. He wanted just some guy to give him a gun to fight the occupiers of his country. Right. But for the state after the war and after the civil war, that guy was suspect. You, there was a, you know, your, your, your political beliefs were under scrutiny and many people got fired, jailed because of those. And obviously that's a, it's a tragedy of the modern Greek state because many, there is a lot, a, a large number of people that they weren't like, uh, they, they weren't, they weren't trying to be uh, subver- subversive or right. revolt. They just wanted the first guys they found. So again, funnily enough, we have a mini civil war. <laughs> the right, right, the left, the communists are fighting the nationalists, if you like. Right. While at the same time fighting the Germans and the Italians, <laughs> Greeks. So <laughs> it's crazy, bro. It's crazy. If we're not fighting somebody else, it's fighting each other. Well, so imagine that the so in 1944 the German army. Obviously, in 1943, the Italians surrender and the Germans uh, pretty much execute most Italians in Greece. There is a place in uh, Kerkira. Uh, many people will call it, know it as uh, Zande, I think. The British know it as such. Uh, that they executed the whole division, not division. Div- the Italians call it division, but I, I know the total number of dead were like 5,000. Wow. Something like that. They executed. Uh, I think it's the story that is uh, the mantolin of uh, Captain Corelli. Uh-huh. I think that's the story. So the Germans execute a lot of the Italians uh, that they were in Greece. Funnily enough, a lot of Greeks help Italians to escape. Yeah, I mean, go, that's understandable. Go, sure. Go figure. Right. Uh, and in 1944, they, the Germans, after pressure of the Eastern Front and all that, they pack up and leave. So the same month they left, the start of the civil war happens, which is uh, another thing why the modern Greek state, if you want, we don't celebrate the end of the war. We celebrate the start of it. We celebrate Ohi Day, but we never celebrate the end of World War II sure. because yeah. for us, it was another another bloody adventure. Right, yeah. So, so you want me to continue? We have time. Yeah, I don't give a shit. I mean, it's up to you, man. I mean, I want to talk about the junta a little bit because I have like a family member who was like a fucking big time guy in the junta. I want to, I will. That's the thing. I have to speak for the civil war because it ties to that. Because yeah. the guys that did the junta, they were like officers in, you know, during, during the, the civil war. Stuff. Yeah. So it ties, it ties to, to their anti-communist sentiment and why they ended up doing the junta. So. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, the junta and their junta was also supported by the U.S., right? Because well, they can't yeah, armies in Greece. Funnily enough, the junta that happened wasn't supported by the U.S. So, okay, there were two g- group of guys 
ready to do a coup. A group of generals and a group of colonels. So the group of generals were in discussion with the CIA. (laughs) But, But the group of colonels that they weren't in discussion with the CIA previously went and do it. (laughs) <laughs> Holy shit, that's hilarious. So, so the generals, the the group of generals, that's I'm talking about yeah, hilarious. They were like, okay, fuck it. <laughs> so that's how we came about with the Honda. And the CIA, okay, people giving now I'm gonna defend the CIA and the Cold War policy. Okay. Now I'm actually defending it. People are giving shit to the CIA about the stuff that happened in Cold War and the persons they supported. Uh, human rights abuses aside, because the other side wasn't fucking better. Sure, yeah, it was. Bo- yeah, right. People forget, forget because we're lucky that we are now here, what was at fucking stake. It wasn't some power play. It wasn't, it, it was nuclear, global nuclear war. Right. Yeah. It, it was stakes so, are high. Right. When the stakes is the stake is the the survival of your country, literally, because uh, projections and if you read about the whole situation, even a limited response was going to be like 150 million dead and crazy numbers like that. Yeah. When the stakes are uh, this, and especially we're talking about because all this the the gross misconducts happened in the 60s happened especially in the 50s and the 60s because you know that was the the height of the cold war if you like when the stakes are that high everything else is it's 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 a it's a it's, a, it's a, no no nothing yes yeah, yes you, you you're going to you, you you're going to work with the dictator in latin america because yes it's better for 5000 these dudes die and instead of the communist guerrillas win, and then you have the Russians uh, install nuclear weapons like it happened in Cuba. Right. Which granted, granted, I, I, I can agree that the dominion theory and all that proven to be wrong. But the guy making the policy decisions in the 1950s after the North Korea invaded uh, South Korea didn't know that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I get it. I, listen, I understand like the... Uh... The threat of nuclear war is definitely because, something that overhung the whole Cold War and made it so insanely tense. Yeah, because we can make easily morality judgments about oh they're behaving and they try and they supported Pinochet or any other horrible person. Yes, true, Pinochet was a horrible person, true, right. it was. But it was skewed because of a specific other things that they were going at war. Right. And yes. As I said, we know now that the domino theory was wrong, but in the 1950s, you have China becomes communist. South Korea invades, uh, sorry, North Korea invades South Korea. Then you have uh, Czech Republic. So you have big events. Yeah, things are, the dominoes seem to be falling the wrong way. Yeah, just just in a few, two or three years. Yes, of course, you're going to believe it's a domino. And yes, whatever people knew about communism at the time, they mistakenly assumed that the communist world was a monoblock of, you know, you know, Stalin was make, saying stuff and Mao was listening. Right. That, ne- that didn't happen. But sure. I'm, I'm just saying, give those guys some slack because what what you going to do different given those conditions if right. you didn't yeah, know absolutely. what you know now? With hindsight, yeah, exactly. I'm with you. Hindsight is 2020 vision, of course. Also, you just got to look at like, you got to see how look at the lay of the land, right? You see what's going on and you see who you need. It's the lesser of two evils and you just need to 
you need, you need to be pragmatic, especially with stuff with like war or whether it's Cold War or like spot like tradecraft or whatever the fuck. You need to be pragmatic. You got to look at what it is. You can't be fucking idealistic. You can't you can't be you need to deal with the problem that's on the ground. It's the same thing. Let's say it's the same thing. And I'm gonna, with the air bombing in World War Two, uh, it, it wasn't I mean. Everybody knew that it was a charade. You didn't actually hit anything. You're killing civilians. Right. Okay. That was the ultimate objective. And the US Air Force, to their defense, again, tried to use aiming, the Norfeld uh, bomb scope and all that, They because the, the dogma in the US Air Force was to, like, you know, precision bombing. The right. British didn't even care about it. Bomber yeah. Harris was le- letting bombs go off at nighttime. You know, nighttime, you, you're never going to hit what you're looking for. Right. So, but that was the, the logical uh, insan. Uh, I'm st- stealing a line from another favorite podcast. I'm, I'm assuming you know it since you do a history podcast. It's, it's, he said logical insanity. The assumption was if we don't do it to them, they're going to do it to us. Right. And uh, in, in the Britain's defense, the Germans has done it during the play. They have done it. During the blitz, yeah. They like killed, so, like for like the years before, how many years was the blitz going on for? Like the, the blitz, past? the blitz was going for eight months. Uh, it started in 1940, but they, it killed uh, 40,000 British right. so people eight, for eight months. They're dealing with constant barrages of like you know carpet bombing and stuff. Yeah. Like that. So I understand the, their fucking thought, where it's like, yeah, we don't really need to look through the fucking scope. Just fucking yeah. bomb them. Yeah, the Germans did it. But they did it on a smaller scale because they didn't have the capability. So right. the, the, for the British uh, guys that they were making the decision, because you have all that, uh, as I said, arm, uh, hindsight. Oh, Bomber Harris will be a, a, a war criminal today. Yeah, probably w- will be. But Bomber Harris bombed the guys that they were like a few months back bombing London to bits. Right. You, yeah. you go, you're going even today to London and you know where the bombs are, have fallen because where you see like a row of very old uh, neoclassical buildings mm-hmm. and you see some, some, uh, sorry, some modernist mon- monstrosity in the corner. You yeah. know, this, this is where the bombs have fallen. There are places, uh, I have seen that in actually in, uh, uh, sorry, uh, in the movie, in the series by Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Sherlock Holmes, there are roads that they are facades. There is no building behind it, and it wasn't con- it wasn't considered uh, worthy to rebuild it, so they just made a facade. Wow, that's interesting. And they made the facade because they didn't want to change the na- the character of the specific neighborhood. So the, the front one is a it's a it's, it's a facade, just the entrance. So we're talking about forty thousand dead in the capital every day. We have pictures. There is pictures of uh, if you go to any British War Museum, and I'm very lucky to have a very good one. Uh, nearby, it's called uh, Imperial War Museum, Duxford. There are people in the in their rooftops in London taking pictures while Spitfires are shooting hurricanes. <laughs> Spitfires, great. yeah, it's like so. And you ask that guy with that experience what he will do. I don't know what you're gonna do, Mahatma Gandhi. You're not gonna yeah. shoot anybody, I guess. Right. So all these principles of convenience is literally my it's my pet peeve. And I call them principles of convenience because we, our generation of people, we haven't seen not not war. Most of us we didn't have seen like you know a, a, a bad accident. Yeah. No, you're right. And makes I'm, sense because yeah, you don't know what the fuck you're gonna do if you're there. 
Yeah, so we we asking about people that they lived through hell to have our own standards and to uphold stuff that, my man, I have seen how you react on Twitter. You're not going to say, <laughs> if, you, if your reactions on Twitter are so emotional about some right. people think you believe, you're not going to hold the, the same calmness when somebody's bombing you. You're talking about <laughs> me specifically? No, 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 no. I'm talking about... Oh, because how, it's true there too. I mean... <laughs> no, I'm talking about people like in that... In general, right. People that play it high and mighty, and then yeah, you yeah, see yeah. the reaction in social media, and you say, dude... It's you're not gonna you're not gonna do that yeah. yeah i mean listen human nature is human nature right and if you're being threatened and you're under a constant state of fucking possibility of being dead soon because these people this country is doing this to you you're gonna fucking you know what do you think you're gonna be this fucking moral person no shot that's why i understand like insurgencies i get it because what if somebody fucking i told my friends i'm like what if a fucking Russia, North Korea, take your fucking pick, China, they invaded America right now and they You're were running the through our streets with fucking guns and tanks and shit like that. What do you think? You're just going to be fucking all good? Like, you're not going to be pissed about it? You're not going to work to undermine well, it? You know? Well, there is a whole movie about it. It's called The Red Dawn. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like, so I like what I like is people that put themselves in other people's positions and like whether you agree or disagree, as long as you understand where they're coming from. I yeah. think that's the most important thing. Is as, as you said, is, uh, uh, let's say, okay, somebody will be angry about that. Let's say the American involvement in Afghanistan. The American uh, uh, government, the American army had the greatest of intentions. I, I truly sure. believe that. You see all those projects, all, all that nation building. Well, the guys opposing that were against that. Right. And I guess... It's simple as that. And some people, I assume, they also have the and the, and the nationalistic point of view. It, this is my land. You're foreigners. Sure. Go. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's going to play in all that. So as you said, they're coming from the, the opposite direction. It's, it's That's what people do. And especially if people take up guns against you, there has to be... A, I'm trying to, to tread lightly in all that because Why? it's my outsider opinion. And I, I, I'm, a, I'm an insider, I guess. It's fucking crazy counterinsurgency is fucking stupid it doesn't work unless you have 60 years and generations to actually fucking do it and we don't do that we don't have that will nor should we have that will listen 9-11 happened it was fucked up as a failure in intelligence 100 percent, and like lack of communication between intelligence uh you know uh organizations Uh, organizations right so listen we yeah listen we had to go into afghanistan i don't think we needed that surge bullshit we had when Obama came in. I don't think like we got Osama bin Laden. People cheered in the street. You want to have some small mobile special force, you know, JSOC kind of fucking force, CIA, SAD force, whatever there to make sure we have a jump off point to like fucking bomb motherfuckers. If we need to playing whack-a-mole with anybody that pops up the the next year. Right. Right. But we don't need. Yeah. And exactly. And then we had another fucking misadventure in Iraq that totally burnt fucking trillions of dollars and killed tens of thousands of soldiers and hundreds of thousands of Iraqis and and brought back probably, you know, tens of thousands of maimed soldiers. Well, it it wasn't a misadventure. I have not. I'm still trying to grab my head around it again as an outsider. If somebody wanted to, if somebody, I have three explanations or somebody got so myopic, he couldn't see what he was doing. And he, it was a very bad, but honest mistake. But because I tried to, I tried to attribute 
you know, it's, there is a saying, never attribute to evil what can be attributed to stupidity. Sure. Because obviously, somebody, because Iraq doesn't make any sense. You have people are saying that they were funding the terrorists. I'm like, I can't see it because that oh, guy, that, the bus, the bus party system doesn't like those guys because they, they're the opposite and usually right. they had problems. So, you know, you, you have those assumptions. So either somebody was actually make some mistake or somebody was so big a piece of shit that they wanted to happen to make money. I, I don't have any other explanation. It's the about second one. It's the latter. It's a lot. They were thinking they wanted to make money. Yeah, that's you think, it. You're thinking Dick Cheney? <laughs> yeah, Dick Cheney, that whole apparatus. I mean, you know, fucking the whole military industrial complex and Dick Cheney specifically. Like, and what's the other fucking guy? When 9 11 happened, literally a week, they were in fucking Camp David talking and he started talking about Iraq that fucking week. I don't know the Rumsfeld? No, I was. Brenner, I don't know, man. It was some one of the fucking NSC guys. What? You're in a national security council, and you're that fucking stupid and crazy and imperialistic. And I mean, it all comes down to like also probably, uh, um, you know, religious fanaticism, Christian religious fanaticism. It's just insane. It makes no fucking point, no sense whatsoever. I will tell you though something. The only way they will make money because I I don't know if you I have read. In the subject entirely, one thing the American government afraid is to be called imperialists. <laughs> and what I'm it's saying hilarious that, is like literally what they are. Well, that's the funny thing; they don't act like that because what obviously, as you, since you know, the whole American creation mythos is we are free from the British, which they were the imperialists, and we're right. free now. So anyway, if you see many of the interactions of the United States, not in the early 20th century, because then is actually, yes, uh, sorry, in the early 20th century, banana wars and all that, because right. then at the time, it indeed was a flavor of, a flavor, strange flavor of imperialism starting to creep in. Uh, sure. uh, what's his name? Theodore Roosevelt started to uh, wrote about it, like, where are we going and stuff like that. So anyway, but in modern interactions, you see American officials, uh, let's say uh, what it shows in Narcos, which is a thing I assume many people have seen. Yeah, yeah. That's how the American uh, authorities operate outside. They try to work with the local government, even yeah. though if, if the local government is corrupt as fuck. So that's the funny thing. Iraq, they didn't take the oil. It, well, not I don't one even drop. understand what the fuck they did. They don't even know what they were doing. So... so what, what they is wanted, I think what they wanted was just strategic positioning fuck. against Iran. Yeah, I mean, that's it, bro. Like, and, and I, I'm assuming what they thought in their fucking whacked out head back in 2003 was, or in 2002 was, yeah, we'll have great positioning against Iran and eventually we'll go into Iran and overthrow them. Which, is a, which is a great idea if you want to start a, a Big shit so <laughs> unbelievable. It's fucking crazy. It's crazy. And if you look at the guys now, whether it's Mike Pompeo or um, Bolton or that whole apparatus, that whole like fucking evangelical fucking apparatus, they still want to do it. They still want to go after Iran, like publicly with the killing of Soleimani. What are you doing? If you're going to kill the guy. Kill the guy, but fucking do an IED so there's some plausible deniability so they can save fucking face too and they don't have to, you know, not step up their efforts. I'm not saying to not kill him. Do what you got to do, but make well, it yeah, a little because, bit more fucking because they, plausible. 
essentially looks like we did it so publicly because we you, we know you're going to retaliate and then we're going to yeah. have a, an excuse. And yeah, I know what you're talking about. Obviously, Cuts Force is going to do what they're going to do in the region and elsewhere. CIA is going to do what they got to do to counteract that. Do I think it needs to go to a full-fledged fucking pitched, uh, pitched battle with Iran? No, obviously we'll beat them, but like still, no, we don't need that. We don't need to do that. Well, funnily enough, now you said all that, I was uh, reading or uh, listening in the news, listening uh, about China's worry that now that the United States is living in Afghanistan, the security is going to deteriorate because unfortunately some Chinese nationals got uh, bombed by the Taliban. Uh, yeah, so apparently China's going to step in now and going to be, oh, that's going to be fun. Let China, uh, let China go in there and spend a trillion or two dollars. Well, the, uh, to be honest, I don't think they're going to spend uh, $2 trillion because they have everybody almost in their pockets. Probably they're going to do a mini genocide over there and because that's what, what's going to happen. If the right. Chinese army goes there, I bet you a beer, there will be a, a media blackout. Nobody will talk about, like right. nobody talks about what happening is now with, uh, I can't pronounce their name. Yeah, fucking the, the Muslims in the, yeah. Yeah. Like every, nobody, I mean, you you get a glimpse here and there, and then that's it. Probably they will, you know, lock the place down, and they're gonna leave nobody alive, and yeah. uh, then it's gonna be peace. And no, you're never gonna know it because nobody will seem is worth you're it. Right, you're not right for it. Fucking right, you're not gonna. Have, they're not gonna have fucking journalists on the ground there. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They're uh, gonna wipe the fucking map off. You're right, because they don't give a fuck. And they're don't give me that. Psychos. Don't get me wrong. I don't agree with that because the, during Afghanistan, there were many people that they were saying, why we don't nuke the place and all that. Yeah, I don't great. agree with that. That's I'm just great. saying that's my assumption. What's going to actually happen if yeah. somebody that doesn't care about its public perception. So, yeah. yeah, because Xipping, or can he say his name? He doesn't care if he's going to get elected. He knows he will. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he already <laughs> fucking consolidated power too, like a few years ago. Yeah, so he doesn't care much about that. No, he, he doesn't cares. Give a shit, dude. And there are no laws, right? Like, obviously, if, if if there was evidence of like mass genocide on our part in Afghanistan, we our Congress and the media would be all over it. The yeah, funny thing not- is, people people believe that is exactly what happened, even though it didn't, which is infuriating. Yeah. Okay, I have to become clear to the listeners and to you. Yeah, if somebody hasn't understand until now, I'm a, I'm a, I am a, an Americanophile. I have actually participated in the green card lottery and all that. I would, I would like very much to come and live in the United States. Uh, so maybe I'm biased in some of those extents, but I can, my distinction is I can see when something happens by mistake and not, you know, on purpose. Right. You can see the nuances of something. Well, yeah, the, the American army has done mistakes, but it's a difference if you sure. do a mistake and in war, unfortunately, it's horrible, but mistakes cost lives and not cost anything else. Right. But it's different by doing a mistake and by actually targeting, let's say, kids like the Soviets did in Afghanistan. It's, 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 sure. it's a slight balance. It, the end might be the same, and that's horrible, but, you know. Yeah, but listen, you got to also think like to, it's very nuanced. But again, like I'm sure there's a fucking cost analysis basis formulation of, you know, when a drone guy, drone pilots fucking over somewhere in the tribal areas of Pakistan. Yeah. Like there's two kids there, but there's 15 militants. Okay, that's enough. 
that's okay. That's enough collateral damage. Acceptable losses, which is yeah. horrible. Yes, it which, is. Right, it and is which horrible. goes back to war being fucking horrible. Right. Uh, can I can I advertise the movie? Uh, it's a very nice movie uh, with Helen Mirren. Uh, it's a British movie, and it's interesting because ex- exactly it's uh, uh, I can't put it examines that uh, that di- dilemma. It's called Eye in the Sky. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, and uh, you know who is the person that the movie supposed uh, depicts? Who? Uh, so the movie that de- supposedly is a target, it doesn't say on with, uh, sorry, it doesn't say by name, but yeah. it's supposed to be Samantha Leth- Lethwite. So it's uh, Samantha Leth- Lethwaite. Okay, I can't pronounce that, even though it's British. So it, it's a British uh, national that converted to Islam and she was the husband, still alive, but he's at large, of the one of the 7-7 bombers, the guys that they blew up the yeah. London tube. So uh, she's like probably, uh, you know, public enemy number one in yeah. the UK. If somebody sees it and, and they believe it's also responsible for the Nairobi Westgate shopping mall attack, if you remember that yeah. horrible thing, because she, she's down there. Uh, so yeah, supposedly the movie depicts that they hand in hair, so he can make you more difficult. You have that person that is responsible for 200 deaths, mm-hmm. and you have that poor bread-selling girl. What you will do? Right. It's a brilliant movie, though. Yeah, and listen, that's like uh, that's a dilemma they face. I mean, I get it. I understand both sides, and I understand like yeah, like if Russia or fucking China specifically, yeah, they would fucking wholesale fucking genocide the place probably you want to do a fast run after the uh, civil war let's do it so civil war ends a a victory for the national powers if you like the you know i I would say democratic to be honest because they wanted elections so they didn't want to to make greece a a soviet protectorate so i will call democratic i will call them democratic if anybody left-leaning if any left-leaning greece Greek heroes, probably he will foaming in the mouth now. So anyway, you have you have that situation and election and the life in Greece, even though very poor, people were very poor. And then you have the Marshall Plan and the assistance from uh, the United States, actually, uh, at the time. So in the 50s, life turns to normal. There is peace. The war ended in 49. Uh, uh, and you have elections and life goes along. So obviously, the, you know, the people that they fought in the losing side, they didn't go away. The Greek state was, which is funny enough, the worst it would happen to you was you were not able to work as a teacher. You had your, you had like a, you know, a paper and you were opening your paper and say communist. So huh. people were not punished. Obviously, you have you have people in exile. You have exiles, and many people. Uh, I have read horrible stories about the conditions there, but it wasn't. It wasn't okay. I don't. Again, probably some of them will say. I'm trying to say that, from my understanding, it was more how the captors over there operated, and not a certain policy of the state. If you want, right. you know, I'm trying to say it wasn't like gulags. We're gonna send you to execute you. That's it. You're done. Right. It was you were exiled because you you were like uh, you know you tried to do an armed revolt, but 
uh, from my understanding, and if anybody of our listeners know any better, I will gladly say I'm sorry because that's a detail I'm missing. Uh, the, any bad things that happened to those people in the while in exile in some Greek island was mostly due to, you know, the, their jailers' responsibility. You had some, uh, you have beatings, you have stuff like right. that. I have heard about executions, but uh, you know, I know it. I know. From my reading and my research, I haven't concluded because it's a very polarized issue. Sure. You're never gonna. That's the bad thing, also in Greece. You know, that we don't have any records, so there is no no definitive answer if right. the Greek state decided to say to those guys, yeah, execute them or don't execute them, or so. Anyway, so obviously those people still remain in the public life, and you have people, uh, you have the parties of the left that they had a lot of people uh, that maybe participated or they believed in the cause of the communist forces. So anyway, one in 1967, yeah, uh, it looked like, you know, the left party is going to win. So the people, the military leadership saw that as a a threat, obviously, because they assume, oh, those guys are going to win. So they're going to let the other guys out and we're going to have, you know, another, the same set of problems. Right. So, So they... In, they did a military coup. They did a, a coup, and they, you know, they became government. So until 1967, until 1974, I'm just trying to remember because essentially the junta wasn't one guy. At first, you have Papadopoulos, mm-hmm. and that guy got ousted, and then you have Ioannidis, which people credit uh, also fell, uh, make him responsible for the loss of Cyprus. So anyway, during the junta, the military junta, the you know life was as you expect under a military dictatorship. You had people were awesome. watching, yeah, not awesome. People were watched. Uh, people ended up in prison. People were getting beaten up. Uh, especially the military police was very active in uh, you know uh, in doing torture and all that. Right. Wow. And, and essentially, the excuse of the officers were. We saw that as a political anomaly, and when that goes away, we're going to give you again free elections. So the story, some, st- uh, so the, it goes that uh, Ioannidis didn't want to do that, and he ousted Papadopoulos again. Okay, in sometimes I have my, I'm missing some stuff because I, you know, I know the, but I, I forgot the, these details. So, uh, Pap- Papadopoulos was ousted and Ioannidis takes over and essentially decides also to do a, a coup in Cyprus. Jesus so, Christ. Okay, what happens with Cyprus? That I know more. Cyprus was a British protectorate, if you like, a, a British yeah. territory. It was Ottoman, but the Britons got it after World War I, I think. I have to double check that. Anyway, uh, it was British. The largest part of the population is uh, Greeks, and you have also Turkish Cypriots. I don't remember the percentages, but I think it's uh, 70, 30 or 80, 20 something. You know, mm-hmm. the Greeks, the Greeks are, you know, by far they were a majority. Uh, so 19, the 1950s, there is a guerrilla movement starts called EOKA. Those guys essentially try to oust the Britons and unite unify uh, Cyprus with Greece. So that didn't come along. Uh, the British uh, w- left, but Cyprus became independent. 
And the three guarantor powers of their independence, because don't forget, they have also two huge British uh, bases there. Uh, yeah. They're called sovereign bases because they're British ground, British soil. Uh, they were Turkey, Greece, and the UK. Uh, the tensions between the two communities were rising over the years. Sure. You have uh, events in 1964, you have an events in 1968. So the Greeks... The Greek uh, government, uh, by default, before Papadopoulos, ha they have managed, we have managed to smuggle a whole division on the island. Oh, my God. Uh, literally, you know where they move the, bu the bullets of that division in, in barrels of feta. Get out of here. That's okay. I, shit, I shit you not. It was, <clears throat> so anyway, so, so, so uh, in order to defend the island, because by agreement, the island should only have two military units the Turkish Cyprus force and the Greek Cyprus force, uh, a strength of one battalion each. That's it. Obviously, nobody upholds that because, you know, both populations were armed. So we, right. in order to defend the island from a Turkish invasion, uh, we decided to move that division there because the whole idea was if we have to send somebody there, uh, it's too late. Cyprus is way closer to Turkey than it's to Greece. Yeah, but if there is a division there, which is obviously a very large military, uh, uh, sorry, uh, formation, mm -hmm. they can effectively defend on a, against an invasion, and they, you know, that's it. You need, you're gonna need because also Cyprus is a very small island, so yeah. if something happens, you can move very fast about. So ten ten thousand people plus whatever armed like. Uh, you know, Cypriots were there. Uh, yeah, there, like, uh, the national fucking, uh, you know. Um, yeah. So after the events, uh, we have some events on '64. We have some events on '68, if I remember correctly. Unfortunately, in the events of '68, the Greek division, uh, after the the Americans uh, were very displeased that we had the whole division there, and they threatened sanctions to the military junta. And the the divisions were were removed, were like taken off. Back to Greece. Yeah. Uh, so Ioannidis in 73, yeah, 74, sorry, summer of 74, decided it was a good idea to try to uh, oust Makarios, which it was the leader of the independent Cyprus, because he was, the guy was registered as independent. So he wasn't either siding with the Americans or right. the, the Russians. Obviously, he was getting more guns from Russians because, you know, if you're independent at the time, one side is not going to like you that much. So they tried to oust Makarios and install a pro-Greek friendly government and probably going on with the uh, unify Greece, with, uh, sorry, Turkey. Oh my God. Cyprus with Greece. Mm -hmm. So the coup succeeds, but the, Turk the Turkish um, government sees that as a chance also to invade because in the preface they gave, which is right in my opinion, is to protect the Turkish Cypriot population. Well, as a Greek, even though I'm a Greek, I am. I mean, I think uh, the Turkish Cypriot population wouldn't fare well. So right. everybody, yeah, okay, uh, the occupation is illegal, and I agree with that. And they did, again, a horrific thing to the Gr Greek Cypriot uh, population. They, You have villages, you have massacres, you have, right. you know, every war crime under the sun it <clears> happened <throat> rapes whatever but at the same time i i think the the is is not as a, as much as an excuse as you know the greek we greeks like to think it is 
Sure, yeah. I mean, because it would go the other way, too, if we fuck him. Well, I mean, you, you could see it going the other way. And sure. uh, ma- many people would say we don't do such stuff. And yes, Greek war crimes, even in Asia Minor, were more limited, but it happened. They happened, actually. Right. The, the difference was uh, there is like historical records of uh, the Turkish high command ordering them while we never had done something like that. And it was sure. more to local individuals that they have lost morale and right and yeah okay so we we never I, I haven't seen personally i would like to know because yes i know i i'm an army guy and i'm a greek and so yeah, yes, but I'm, but, you're being pretty pretty down the middle though I I, I'm, I'm patriotic but i would like to judge things for the way they were yeah, and the it, truth. It, right. yeah it's not it's not gonna make any difference to me because uh, people ask me how you be on your it's not going to make any difference to me. If my country calls me now, it's going to be for some kind of defense. The reason, if we did something wrong in the in the in the past, it doesn't mean that I don't have to do my duty now. It's, you know. Sure. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah. Makes sense. So uh, that's why I'm trying to figure out uh, stuff. And you know, anybody listening, don't take, don't take my word. You can do your own. Re- the, the resources are obviously out there. Right. And, yeah. you know, you can check it for yourself. Uh, so I, I don't think that as many people in Greece are angry, it's an excuse. I see there is a legitimate, legitimate reason. Obviously, it leads to abuse. And as I said, the occupation by default is, you know, after World War II, people occupying large pieces of land. I mean, Russia has done it in Ukraine, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. it's not it's no bueno, let's say. Exactly. So anyway, uh, that led to the military junta fall, essentially. That was the the, the 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 camel the straw that broke the camel back. They had there was the popular uprising uh, in the Greek Polytechnic School. Many people in Greece mistakenly believe that that was what made the the Hunda f- fall, but that's a mistake because it happened in 1973, mm-hmm. so a year prior. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it so played a Yeah. It played a role on the, you know, on the general and the public feeling, but Cyprus was the nail in the coffin. So if you have any specific questions, because you told me about somebody that was like a very big head and, you know. I don't know. My, my, one of my, I think grandfather, great grandfather, his name was Vasily Rogakos. He was a general. Rogakos. Oh, it doesn't ring a bell. He was Kubari with uh, Papadopoulos. Ah, really? Yeah. He was like one of his like, yeah. Probably he's one of those guys that they dance Tsamiko with the glasses in the, you know, in the suits. Have you seen those photos? No, but Dude, I, I wouldn't be surprised. The, the problem with Hyundai, the problem with military, the Hyundai is that they destroyed the uh, folk dancing in Greece. Tsamiko is considered, you know, like uh, kids, even though it's a cool dance. Yeah. But because they were dancing. Uh, we do Tsamiko here, though, a lot in America, like, like parties and shit. Yeah, because it's a, but in Greece, in some areas, you're going to see it in the countryside, but in Athens, it's a bit like, uh, okay, you're going to do it in, in the Easter when you're gotcha. doing the the the, uh, the lamp. That makes sense. I mean, so what happens now? Are we going to go to, is Greece going to go to war with Turkey? No. Uh, at the time, uh, first of all, the Greek army, beside, uh, which is another infuriating thing. Many people think that those guys were like patriots. And but yeah, I'm like, no, you're not. Because first of all, they denied any involvement. That's the reason they fell. They didn't send, they sent a, a battalion of, uh, of uh, raiders, which is, uh, which is like a drop in the ocean. Yeah. Like special forces, Operation yeah. Victory. The, the operation is very cool. It's like, you know, proper 
special forces stuff. They did like a, they loaded some Noratlas, that's the name of the plane, and they flew over like nap of the nap of the sea, actually like 50 meters over the sea, all the way to Cyprus from Athens. Wow. It's like, and they landed in a in a dark out uh, airport. It's cool. It's like it's yeah. really proper proper stuff, but. You know, you sent you sent like a battalion, and they're not gonna do much. Right. So the, the Greek army wasn't ready for much, and they didn't go to, to war at all. Uh, even though, and even the politics, the politics, the politicians afterwards, they didn't pursue anything like that because the problem with having a military dictatorship is not only it's an illeg- illegitimate government. If something happens, people will go, okay, cool. Anyway, right. because, you know, it's, if you're not recognized, so the politicians that okay. came after, I don't know if they could, could do something, but they didn't. What, so, the third uh, Hellenic Republic? I yeah. Mean, that's what's going on now, right? That's yeah. technically what it is? Yeah, we're still in the in the Greek Hellenic Republic. I mean, listen, at least, like, they're fucking doing uh, legit elections and stuff like that. seems like people are a little bit more moderate, a little bit at least. Like it's not breaking out into complete fucking war, uh, civil war. Yeah. Okay. Still, you're gonna have the, you know, you have a government that were far leftist, and the people that, and obviously, unfortunately, we have also we had also for a moment golden dawn in yeah, the, yeah. which is uh, neo Nazis. Yeah. Thankfully, they're in the prison in prison now where they belong. They uh, got to like parliament, right? They had sorry. Some, they had yeah. seats in parliament. Sure. They had twenty three seats. Yeah. Those yeah. those little shits. They had twenty three shits. Yeah. So, and they glad they are in prison now because they, okay, due to political violence because everybody says it was it wasn't innocent. The whole thing was political. They right. killed they killed a guy called uh, Pablos Fisas. He was a rapper and he was also a, let's say a leftist. Uh, like uh, probably he, if I can, I don't want to offend a dead guy. He was. Uh, friendly to anarchists and stuff like that. So it right. was, you know, it was that kind of thing. Yeah. But the guy that actually he outright stabbed him, like in the heart, mm. and they they got in prison for because what happened was that the uh, Greek justice system thought that it was a hit because after after okay. the the murder phones were excu- phone phone calls were exchanged. What we're gonna do? This happened. We did it. You know, right. so, so look political, look like a fucking assassination. Exactly. Like a so planned the, assassination. Exactly. So which is strange because you know the funny thing is like why you do that? Because nobody have he- has had heard that guy before that. It's it's like a bit of a strange thing. So anyway, yeah. they actually did him make him a martyr with right. what they did. So uh, they found evidence of you know afterwards, oh uh, yeah. Chief, we did that. That's the name, obviously. Ah, yeah, uh, the name of the the higher rank guy in uh, Golden Dawn. Uh, was name was uh, Michalo Yakos. He was uh, call, uh, called uh, Archigos, which means uh, leader, which means in German Führer. <laughs> so anyway, if you, right. if you see that, if you see the guy, the SS will not like him very much. If you Google him, Michalo Yakos, you're gonna have a laugh because, dude, he's it's darker than you and me combined. It's funny. That's so funny. Yeah, I mean, it's not exactly an Aryan. Usually, you see that you don't like. You see that with people that they are uh, 
like a white nationalist. They don't right. look like the, the, the master race. They don't. I don't understand the national, like the white nationalist stuff. I remember I saw this thing on like Vice did a story on them and stuff. This is probably like 10 years ago. I was watching it. I'm like, yeah, they, these are all like, they're trying to act like they're not using Nazi symbolism and all this shit. Like, what the fuck are they doing? I can explain you the affinity in Europe and I can explain you why that happened. But, you know, and I can explain you why you still symbols like that in Ukraine and people freak out. And uh, oh, the, those guys that they served with whatever battalion, they're all Nazis. They're not. Yeah. yeah. They're not. There is a reason for that. Uh, okay, we're straying away from Greece, but. I mean, we could probably do a whole fucking thing on that, which I wouldn't be against. I'd totally be down to do it. Okay, I can go. I can continue. Okay, you, you're going to edit it. You're going to. No, gonna... I don't want to edit it. That's the thing. That's, so let's finish up Greece and we'll come back and do the. If you want to do the something on Golden Dawn or. <clears throat> national socialist shit like broader in Europe. I'm down to do that uh, by itself. I, I would be very happy to do something like that. Yeah, so that'd be cool. So okay, essentially that was the last great adventure, if you like. Greece after 1974, uh, it well compared to earlier years, it's an o- oasis of stability. Sure. Yeah. We have our oh, yeah. our. Well, you have the political things like uh, the Macedonian name dispute, and you have right. the EMEA crisis in '96 that almost got to to a shooting war with Turkey. You have stuff like that, but and the, obviously the crisis. But you know, politically, everything goes as planned. You yeah, have elections. Okay. Yeah, right. You have, and obviously we're part of the EU, which helps. And so, and essentially now, okay, and many people will accuse me of that. I'm, I'm a center-left guy and I like the government that we have now. Mm-hmm. But my, my thing is those guys now, they, they look after the economy. They brought, they're going to be, bring a huge plants in, you know, the Athens Riviera. So Athenians going to have jobs, which is great. And obviously the Athens, Athenian Riviera will be even more of a tourist thing to come for anybody to come and visit Greece. It's going to be a luxury place, which is cool. So, you know, it's stuff are happening in Greece. Ah, you're going to love that. They digitized everything, man. You can do everything in Greece, in the national, uh, sorry, in the public sector through the internet now, which is, you know, it's yeah, for, it's Greek, for Greek, for Greek uh, public uh, management, uh, sorry, uh, sector is it's space age shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, it's good. It's good to be, you know, to progress a little bit. Dude, you can do anything like paper. You can ask pa- Okay, okay. Uh, sorry, I have to stop. And Dimi might knows it, but m- many listeners will not. So Greece is notoriously bureaucratic. Bureaucratic. Yeah. You have to sure. lose most in most things in Greece. You have to lose a day or two of work to actually do any kind of business with the public sector. It's like I need my birth certificate. You had to go to three probably services. You have to go to the equivalent to the IRS, get this, get this, pay that, do that, get that stamp from that office. It's it's insane. Uh, so that happened the last six months. They digitized, digitized everything. It's like, it's I mean, insane. Make fucking life way easier for people. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so they look to do the right thing. Obviously, you know, as any government, they do some stupid stuff. But, dude, if they yeah. live afterwards semi-modern stuff, well, it's going to be brilliant. Yeah, I mean, they need it for sure. I feel like they could probably, they could, I mean, hopefully it works out. Hopefully shit stays normal, stays calm, and they keep modernizing. 
you want to ask about the Macedonia name dispute? You want more background on that? I mean, listen, we're already close to two and a half hours, I think. So. Oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it starts long. So, so listen, everything's perfect in Greece. Almost perfect. Almost nothing. Well, not, perfect. Nothing is perfect. Right. For example, I will never go back uh, because it's still working conditions. So I think is still going to be great. You know where? Maybe go you know, back. I go back to live. You're going to go back to visit, though. I'm going to go back to live uh, to to visit. Yes, of course. I still have my father and my sister there, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, stay no man. It's uh, still you know. Uh, know something th- funny. My friend, my cousins who were lived here, work here. Two, three of them. Move to Greece. Why? <laughs> well, listen, like they're rich, so it doesn't matter. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, if I if I won the Euro Millions in the UK and yeah. I can have a house in a beachfront, yeah, I'm not gonna stay in the yeah, UK. Yeah, no, no, like that's why they're there. Even though we have discussed it with my wife, and I said we're gonna stay here because obviously the you know you can do everything automated. It's very nice. But obviously there is no summer, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna stay here in the right. winter and three three months. Also, like my one cousin, she got she has a job. She has a job here in New York, but because COVID hit, everybody went to work remote. And she asked if she can work from Greece. So they said, yeah. And she's been there since, for like a year and a half. Awesome. <laughs> but my That's other cool. two cousins are just rich. So, Dimi, thank you very much for, no, the, for awesome. that sense. Listen, let's keep in touch. We'll do the uh, I like to do like the fascist, like national socialist across EU and stuff. That would be a cool podcast. Okay, and to be honest, I will uh, brush down on my details because some things I missed, and uh, you know, it's not right. Uh, I thought I, I thought I knew it, but the the I conversation. You know more than ninety nine point nine percent of people. The conversation went in a very specific thing, so I'm like sometimes I'm I'm not, you know, I don't have it everything for. Don't the, worry the, about the it. Yeah, that's what I, I do. I have ADD, so I go wherever I like. Wherever I see, I go, and I'm like a fucking dog. Okay, I'm going to wait for the episode to upload so I can, uh, you know, expose more friends to my insanity. <laughs> All right, perfect. I'm going to I'm gonna put it up probably next couple of hours. I got to head to the team house soon, though. Yeah, you have to do the thing. Anyway, I, it was great. Uh, next yeah. time, I'm probably going to set up my cam. I ha- when I use my phone as a camera, probably. You can do it. Yeah, yeah, it should be fine. Yeah, we'll do something like that. And yeah, you, a lot of the times with the team house when we do Zooms, like people's phones are better than their fucking laptops. I have a S21 Ultra, which is, you know, brilliant. It has 4K back yeah, front, I think. Great. Should work perfectly. Anyway, again, it was great. And thank you very much for the invitation. And uh, yeah, we're going to do the... I, I mean, if you ask me about talk, to talk about history, it's like my drug. So Yeah, no, it's, you know, I love it too. It's, it's fun. Have a good uh, evening. Right, uh, my regards to Jack and Dave and to come. Paul. Later, bro. Bye.